Welcome to Game Face, the world's most informative game gaming podcast. I believe, until someone proves otherwise, that we can use that handle. We're going with that. Huh? We're going with it. The most informative gaming podcast in the world. Prove Show, us wrong. Prove us wrong. Somehow. If somebody feels like there's another one out there that gives you more information per episode, we will acquiesce. Until that day, this is the most informative gaming podcast in the world. And we're here to deliver episode 186. I'm Shane Satterfield. I'm Matt Kyle. And we're here in less than seven days. It hasn't been a week since our last episode. We're, we're doing our old thing where we try to inch back so we can get back on our Tuesday schedule. I do think we will have another episode on Tuesday. Uh, there's one game that Matt's been playing that did not make it into the show today. Uh, there's two other ones I've been playing that I'm kind of under embargo for that I can't talk about today. Uh, and we'll probably be able to talk about those on Tuesday. Tuesday's show may not be as long as normal. But I want to get back on the schedule on Tuesday so that we can roll out through Q4 uh, the way we've been rolling for the last several months. So anyway, uh, a big hello to everybody listening to the show on iTunes or Google Play. Um, if you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash sifted and pledge to our Patreon. You can get the show much earlier in that case if you decide to pledge to our Patreon. Uh, we're, in, we're kind of in the, the eye of the storm right now. It has been kind mm -hmm. of a slow week in games as far as releases. Yeah, not, not much happened this week, although a big one did come out, but no one knew it was big until it came out, and it's also the one we're not talking about. So. Right. <laughs> we'll get to it. I, yeah, one of the games that Matt is playing that we're not talking about today and we'll discuss on Tuesday, Matt, when he came in, said he feels like it could be a Game of the Year candidate. So If it holds, I'm only four hours in, but if it holds, yeah, it's one of the best things I've played all year. Yep, so look for that. We'll also talk about Ring Fit Adventure on Tuesday. Yeah, I got that coming tomorrow. Which is Nintendo's crazy fitness and That is not the game I'm talking about. <laughs> no. The... <laughs> yeah, let's not cross <laughs> let's not cross the streams. streams yeah. <laughs> Which is a game we are talking about today on Game Face. We actually have a lot of topics today. There's eight we need to get to. Uh, so we should probably just jump straight in and start discussing the first topic. Um those of you guys who watch Game Face, you know that I'm a League of Legends player. Uh, and you know that I'm not. And you know that Matt's not. Uh, in fact, I'm a big-time League of Legends player. I mean, I'm not that big. I play probably three matches a week or something like that. Uh, but I love it. I do love League I of Legends. I have probably played three matches. Like ever? Total. Yeah. <laughs> but I do love League of Legends. I love to play it. I wish I had more time to play it. That's the drawback of doing what we do is you can't always spend as much time with the games that you actually want to play as you would like to. Uh, but Riot just had its 10th anniversary, and Vincent did a good job when he wrote the blurb for a lot of the media coming out. He said that Riot Games is trying to put the S in Riot Games, mm -hmm. uh, because up until now, Riot has been Riot Game. Yep. And finally, Riot has unveiled a grip of brand new games, At like out last. of out of nowhere. There yeah, were... I personally know people who have developed entire games internally there that never saw the light of day. Like they've they have not been idle. Like they've yeah, been they've been working stuff on inside. Stuff. Yeah, just, they they were waiting till they got stuff that they felt was up to their standards. Yeah. So the developers of League of Legends announced was it seven games? Seven, I think. Yeah. Seven brand new products at its tenth anniversary celebration. We're only going to focus on what I believe are the three 
biggest ones, but Matt, maybe you can give us a quick synopsis of the ones that we're not going to talk about. Um, I don't think we're a lot of the things we're not going to talk about is just like there's nothing to talk about yet. Like okay. the, the I mean Project L is exciting. That's that's the fighting game, the League of Legends, which we had talked game. about. Which we mentioned Forever. before, because that was what Seth Killian's company was working on before Seth Killian left. Right. Because they bought his company. But he's but also it was co-founded with the Cannon Brothers, the two guys who started Evo and still run Evo to this day. So they're still there. Uh, and Tom Cannon did go on uh, uh, did go on Twitter after the announcement and said, like, we're really happy to be included. Um, this is not even close to alpha. Like, you aren't gonna, we're going to go dark for a while. Like, don't. You're not gonna be playing. Don't get this. too excited. You're not gonna be playing this at Evo next year. Just, just <laughs> chill out. You know. Like, yeah. But it exists. You know, all the rumors turned out to be. You know, that was what everybody thought was happening. And so now yeah. we finally got like. I think we three thought seconds that, of proof. Yeah, we thought that might be like one of the big games for an event like this. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's not ready, it's not ready. A lot yeah. of this stuff is still baking. I think. Yeah, and we'll get to some and of the stuff. There was that... a there was a card game. Uh, like a Hearthstone style card game. Did you say there's an MMO? There, there's something that looked like it might have been some kind of MMO. There's, they also tease like a Diablo style game, and there's also a uh, basically it's Football Manager, but it's for League of Legends esports, the real life League of Legends esports teams, and so you manage esports teams, and then the the proceeds go to the actual esports teams. That's the cool, at least. Teams. It's like it's a nice bit of synergy. Like it's you know, yeah. And, it's certainly not a crowded genre, so no. you, know, <laughs> you might you might as well do the in, do something interesting with it. Yeah. Seems a little weird for Riot to it's make that. It's super meta, yeah. but like, hey, <laughs> but Riot can pull off meta. Who knows? Because its audience is so big, meta works. Who would have thought MOBAs would be like this big? You know, right. You, yeah. You never know. You never know what's going to catch fire. Yep. So those are the games where we aren't going to discuss in depth. Although I use that term loosely, there are three, in my opinion, bigger games that they announced, and to me, the biggest one of them all is that League of Legends is coming to both mobile and console. Uh, the title is called League of Legends Wild Rift. Um, as, as a League of Legends player on PC, I seriously wonder how this is going to be possible. And look, I know that there are other MOBAs on console. I've played Smite, uh, which is like a 3D MOBA. Yeah, where they, they tend to shift the perspective for more like, controller driven yeah the usually the console mobas are not isometric like yeah. league of legends although, although there are be, some although to be fair like diablo 3 i think plays better with a controller so it's not yeah. impossible i mean typically i mean for those of you who don't play league of legends basically you have four attacks per character mm-hmm. and they're all assigned to keys on the keyboard but basically you could just assign those attacks to the four face buttons on a controller now mobile that's a whole other just using a touch screen to play something like I, I have no idea how you do that. But on console with the four face buttons, you could conceivably just assign one attack to each of the four face buttons. Then the only problem really becomes targeting while you're moving, mm-hmm. while you're firing off your attacks. I don't know how they're gonna do it. Well, I'm gonna guess there's no cross play. Probably not. With the PC <laughs> yeah, you, you'd be in a lot of trouble playing against a PC player. They even say in the in the show in the trailer it says rebuilt. Right. For, for mobile and console. Yeah. So clearly this is a different, somewhat a different take on what this is. The other thing about it, too, is that they're really pushing the mobile version. Like, the trailers that they put out for this, like, they're pushing the mobile League of Legends and not really... I think it's coming yeah, to well, mobile they're first. they're by Tencent, so right. I, I would guess that they're thinking mobile is sort of the real, the real draw in Asia. Yeah. So. The other thing, too, is I think it's coming to mobile first and then consoles. I don't yeah, think it's, it's going to be, like, a across-the-board launch for the game. But this could be gigantic. 
Yeah. You don't think League of Legends coming to consoles and mobile? I mean, I don't care. I, I know you don't care, like, but you know that could, there are it could be hundreds of millions of people who play the PC version of League of Legends. Sure, I just don't know if anyone on console is has a has a League of Legends shaped hole in their life to, in, <laughs> in, in uh, you know in in large numbers like that. I mean, it's, you're basically trading on the fact that it's the it's the big dog. Yeah, and do you want to play the big dog? And I would say if it doesn't work, then MOBAs are probably never going to work on console. If you I mean, can't get people Smite to play League. okay. I mean, there are MOBAs that have done fine on console. Like, not League of Legends, like, super success story good, but, like, they exist. Well, Epic's MOBA didn't last that long. What was that game called? I can't even remember now. Um, they promoted the crap out of it, too. Yeah. For a long, long time, and then it finally died. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't played that briefly, I think. It also looks like Heroes of the Storm is... On its last legs, which is Blizzard's yeah, here's, MOBA. Here's the storms is yeah, like it feels like they've given up on that. Yeah, so I mean, but that wasn't a console problem. That was just game can't compete with League of Legends problem. I mean, and that might be what it all comes down to, which mm. is again why I think this could be a boon on console if they get it right. Um, the it's going to launch with just forty champs, and there are literally hundreds at this point. So. Chances are your favorite champ, if you play League on PC, may not be in the first roster, but you just know that they're they're holding some of those champs back to sell you as DLC or part pieces of content in season passes or whatever else they plan on doing yeah, I don't to see monetize the business model changing too much. Nope. I mean, it, I guess they haven't actually said if it's going to be free to play. Paragon. 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 That's it. The, yeah. yeah. That was Epic's thanks, MOBA. Thanks, Bunk Go. Yep. Thank you. Um. They haven't actually said if it's going to be free to play on mobile and console. I'm guessing I'd be mobile. I'd su- be it, surprised if it wasn't. If it wasn't, yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, honestly, if it is free to play, them giving you 40 champs is huge. Well, I, I figure it would just be like, you, yeah, there's, it'd be like the, the PC version at least used to be, where like there was a certain rotation of ones you They still do that. Yeah, um, I would imagine you'll be able to pay like five bucks or something for like an, a starter pack that gives you, you know, that you can play for free. But if you want like a little extra things, couple skins, couple heroes that aren't in the rotation yet, pay five bucks or something or nine bucks and get that. It, it, it's, it's a standard business model for that now. Once you get like a console manufacturer involved. Yep. And uh, I don't usually fall for it, but it's definitely there. <laughs> a lot of people do uh, with PC, the PC version of League of Legends. The way it works is. You earn stuff as you play, and generally you make more than enough of that monetary value to buy champs. Like I have – I've never spent a penny on League of Legends. I've been playing it for years. I've never spent a penny on it, and I have all the champs that I want. Uh, Where they get you is the points that you earn via play, you cannot use to buy skins, and you cannot Mm. use that to buy wards. And wards are basically the little things that you put in bushes to light them up so people can't hide in bushes. Um and they have, like, different ones. Like, you know, they sell them. Like an umbrella or a crazy cactus or whatever. They have, like, a million of them. So they sell that. They sell the character skins. Uh, and they do have, like, a new crafting system in League of Legends now where as you play, you get, like, these shards that, like, you collect, like, shards for each character. And once you have enough of them, you get a skin for that character. But what I've discovered is that they never give you shards for the characters you actually play as. Like, I have four or five champs that I play as for the most part, like a couple for top and then one for each other role in the game, and I never get shards for those characters. But the other guys who I've never played at all, like, I've already got free skins for some of them. So 
It's a little tricky how they do it. They're trying to get you to spend money, which I don't blame them. Again, I've been playing it for years, and I've never spent a penny, so I can kind of understand their angle on that. But it'll be interesting to see how they try to monetize this game, and if they end up charging for it. I agree with you. I think they probably won't. It'll probably be a free download, and then they'll monetize. But if that's the case, getting 40 champs, that's great. Because like you said, typically— Well, I imagine you'll only get— access to a few at a time. Oh, you think so? Oh, you're, they're not going to hand you 40 guys. Well, you like, have to, but see, you have to make sure that there are champs so people can play every lane and every role in right, the game. Right, but they'll just make that assortment be what's the, the first, like, you know, free-to-use assortment, and they'll just rotate from there. Yeah, they're going to have to else, force you. Have, I promise you, you will not get 40 champions for free day one. There's no way in hell. It would it's be a, weird if you didn't get at least 20, though. It's going to be... Uh, I mean, that's probably what the starter pack will give you access to. Because you need at least a couple options for each role. You need at least a few ADC options, a few support options, a few jungle options, a few mid, a few top. Well, they'll probably just have, you know, free to use for the first week or month or whatever. Although it would get people to pay money. I mean, yeah. If you only offer champs that people don't want to play as. Yeah, I mean, you'll you'll have enough free ones to kind of fill out teams. But, like, I think if you want to go beyond that, they're all going to be buy them. Cha-ching! Yeah, I mean, that's the whole model. It is. It absolutely is. So, anyway, League of Legends coming to consoles and mobile. They're doing some betas and stuff this year, but it's not releasing until 2020. Mm-hmm. So there will probably be a chance for you to play it, but the full game won't launch until sometime next year. Uh, the One of the other big games that caught my eye was Project A. So Project L is the fighting game. Mm-hmm. Project Hold A. Hold that L. Project A should be called Project O because it's Riot's take on Overwatch. Mm -hmm. It is a character-driven, first-person shooter, competitive, um, all online. As near as I can tell, there's no single-player campaign in this at all. Have you checked this out yet? Not too much. It they're calling here's the weird part. So they're calling it a tactical shooter. I saw them use that term over yeah. and over and over again. But like when I hear tactical shooter, I think something like Rainbow Six Siege. Right. But here's the thing. So if you watch the the small amount of B-roll, you're going to watch this over and over again because there's only like a minute of footage of it right now. When you kill an enemy, it says one on the screen, like W-O-N. Mm-hmm. I don't know if like somehow they've compartmentalized the game into kind of these – see right there? It just pops up on the screen and says one. I don't know if they've compartmentalized the game into a series of like one-on-one confrontations that you win or lose. Like I don't know. It's weird. It's weird terminology. Yeah, the fact that they're calling it a tactical shooter when it's clearly it not. Just, it might just be bad translation. If if they didn't, I don't know where they, where they made this. I mean, in the developer doc, the woman who hosts the developer doc says over and over, tactical, tactical, mm-hmm. tactical. So I don't know if someone's forcing them to say that and they know better, but it's strange because it really does not fit into that subgenre at all. It's a it's a hero shooter, just like Overwatch, where you have different characters. They all look different. They all have a unique special that they can use. Although one thing I would say from this B-roll, it looks like each character has more than one special. Mm. At least the one character they focus on. She shows at least three different kind of special attacks that she has. So do you think that this genre, that there's room at this point for another one? Because people stick with this stuff for, like, your girl. She's still yeah. playing Overwatch. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't think she would switch to this yeah uh most of the people that she plays with i don't think they'd switch to this but you never i mean blizzard is not in a great moment right now oh yeah um not that this is going to launch anytime soon right but like uh i think but and also like people are so mad at blizzard but like the company that owns five percent of blizzard that did that caused the problem here or probably caused the problem 
owns a hundred percent of Riot. Right. So you're not. It's not like you're trading in for a better team nope. here. <laughs> That's um, for sure. I don't know. I mean, Overwatch League. I don't know how much longer Blizzard is going to be willing to foot the bill for that thing um, and keep losing money. Whereas Riot is coming in fresh and is totally ready to waste a lot of money on esports. <laughs> um, so that could be a thing if they can get some kind of league together that people want to watch. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, it's hard to say. Like, it's gonna. What's really gonna matter is how vibrant they can make the characters. Because, like, Blizzard's. Six, I mean, obviously, the people that she plays and she plays and she plays with and all, like, they play the game seriously. But also, they're really into the characters and the lore and like the little bits of information that Blizzard would parcel out and the CG shorts that come out and and you know fan fiction about about them. And I mean, that's a whole set, the whole other half of being an Overwatch fan. Um, it's not like those are different fandoms, really. It's like people that play it really seriously also love to have fun with the characters like that. Yeah, yeah, so, for sure. Uh, I mean, cosplay and the yeah. whole the whole thing. So Riot's going to have to like capitalize on that with a very different audience that, than the one that already does that with the characters in the MOBA. So the, the first thing I should mention after you saying that is that the game does not use League of Legends characters. Which is bizarre. It makes no sense whatsoever. None. I mean... I, I can't understand the logic behind that. I mean, that I guess all. a lot of those guys don't use guns or whatever, but like you'd have to kind of make it more fantasy oriented, and that's a little. They, but they have, weird, all but... have spells and attacks like that. I mean, there are characters. I, I in would Overwatch. guess that the the that the it's the conventional wisdom that like magic fantasy based stuff in this kind of game has not done well. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. I mean, so... a lot of the copycats of Overwatch that have been more fantasy based have not lasted long. Mm-hmm. So you're right. That's a good point. I feel like that's probably like market research more than a creative choice. But there are hundreds of champs, and there are absolutely enough of them to you make the could, roster. Yeah, you could probably come up with like a like a like a gun based sci-fi slice of League of Legends somehow. Yeah, I mean, look as a, as a League of Legends player, I would love to play the character my mains in a shooter. I would love to see them fully modeled in 3D. Get an idea of how big they are, like in comparison to like a wall or like something like that i to me it would make it more attractive if it was league of legends characters they have not shown they showed silhouettes of the characters they did not show what the the characters look like but Mm -hmm. again based on this b-roll they don't look all that exciting like the attacks and the specials are kind of meh yeah they they, i mean i like that i like that animation of the like whatever she's doing with the like messing with her arm the tornado cyber arm whatever that is actually demonstrating another big point of development for this game which is eliminating secret or peeker's advantage do you know what that is no so in competitive esports for first person shooters there's a thing that's called peeker's advantage and basically what it is is you're taking advantage of ping and package package loss so what they in, there are two games where it's really bad, especially Counter Strike Go and Rainbow Six Siege. And basically, what it is is you can peek around a corner and you can see if an enemy's there without the enemy being able to see you because of packet loss. Mm-hmm. So you can jump out and like see what's going on and get back in before, and that enemy can run and never see you, even though you've peeked out and looked back in. And so a big focus for Project A at Riot is trying to eliminate it. And you saw. In the debut trailer, there's that little section there where they show the character going side mm-hmm. to side. And then the very next shot is someone trying to use Peeker's advantage in their game, and it doesn't work. So that's great. Like, I am so tired of playing shooters where I see one thing on my screen, and then I watch the replay, and it's something entirely different. And mm-hmm. because, again, because of lag, packet loss, 
ping. Pretty much the Star Wars Battlefront experience in a nutshell. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was really bad in that game. I mean, look, it's him bad in almost all of them. Call of Duty, it's terrible. Like, it's... So they're trying to get... Basically trying to get rid of people who either manipulate ping to cheat or people who are just better because they have a lower ping. So it sounds like they're focusing on the right things, which is good because Riot doesn't make shooters, which is another thing that makes you nervous. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, you're trying to create sort of a clone of this very popular recent genre when you have no experience with the genre whatsoever Although, other I mean, than stuff you've well, done I mean, in the who's background. making it? Though? I mean, they have the money to hire people that do have that experience. They, and they say, it, here it is. So here's where they're talking about Peeker's advantage and how important it is to their game. And again, it's a good thing that they're doing this stuff. Uh, you never see a debut trailer for a shooter that does stuff like this, where hmm. it talks about things like this. So again, their focus is right. And they do say that they have brought in a lot of industry veterans who have worked on shooters at other studios. Who knows how that's going to go? We'll see. Um, but I think they're... I mean, they certainly brought in some of the top fighting game people. They did. They so. did. And they have the money to pay the good people, too. So I'm hoping that... I probably would have not shown this game at this stage. It doesn't look good. Do you think it does? No, but I'm not the audience for Yeah. Me. I mean, I kind of am. I'm I mean, not a the, big... I mean, the fighting game person, is not all that further along it doesn't if even that far along and it look i mean i can see the potential in that yeah um but also part of it is part of the appeal of the fighting game to me is like oh this might be a league of legends thing that i might actually want to play right yeah i am a little curious about this the story and the lore uh i did talk to some riot people at uh, e3 a few years ago about like lore stuff and we talked about like uh, getting together and talk, like working on like movie ideas and stuff because they were talking about expanding out because no they'd never shared most of the lore you know it right. was mostly like, in house but they yeah. had Bibles and Bibles oh and yeah lore. oh and the fans know it yeah and it's like weird. it's weird and I'd be interested you know some of that stuff was really interesting not that I could talk about it and yeah. like it'd be I mean I love to kind of explore it more but not in a MOBA but right. if, if you want to put that stuff in as like story modes in a fighting game like uh, you probably got my attention for that there is like there's canon there yeah. are relationships between the champs and champs that are allied together there are races and like yeah. there's people whose entire job is just to work on this stuff and you never see it yeah at the light it's of all day. behind the it's scenes. all back there in case they want to use it later yep uh, so I'm I don't know I, I think the game looks terrible graphically but yeah, it's, I, not, it's not a winner visually. No, sure, but. but I think what Riot is doing and what has worked well for it in the past is making sure that it runs on everything. And that's smart. For a hero shooter, if it's going to be free-to-play, which I'm guessing it probably is, it's smart to make sure that it'll run on almost anything. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just hoping that it scales better than what we're seeing right now to higher-powered rigs. But I mean, this is clearly super early footage. Yeah. This is not re- representative of what the final game will look like at all. And like again, the, I'm surprised that they showed it, to be honest with you. But I mean, I, in an ideal world, you could show something like this and people would understand that this right. is not reflective of the final game's visuals. It's supposed to show you, like, this is what we're making. Yeah. And one day it will look good. But that's like, not how it works. That's not how people <laughs> react, which is why you don't get gameplay de- demos at E3 anymore. So yeah. everybody chill. Yep. Uh, and then the last game we want to talk about from Riot's 10th anniversary celebration is related to League of Legends. It's called Legends of Runeterra. It is a card battle game in the vein of Hearthstone. A little strange for this to be announced when all the China stuff is going on with Hearthstone yeah. right now and Tencent, but... It's like, hey, if you don't like that Hearthstone thing, come play this by the same company. Yeah, exactly. Um, and to your point about kind of getting into the lore a little more with League of Legends, it appears that this card battle game is going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that IP is great for a card battle game as well because they have so many champs and they all have such varied abilities. Uh, I think it could work. A lot of people are saying that it reminds them a little too much of Valve's game Artifact, which is mm. flopped pretty hard for, for a variety of reasons. Which makes Although, like, I nervous. think League of Legends has more cachet than anything in Artifact. Like, sure. Oh, sure. Absolutely. It's yeah. also going to matter, like, what the business model is. Artifact was trying to charge up front, right. which is a hard sell for a genre that is kind of generally a free-to-play, free to pay-for-pack thing. Yeah. I mean, even Gwent understood that. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, and Gwent has done well. Yeah. Um, Hearthstone has done well. It continues to do They have eSports for good card battle. I wish I had the time to get into, like, fully into Gwent. Yeah. I know Morgan is a big Gwent player. Is she? Yeah, I was talking to her about it at uh, Pactor's party this past E3, huh. and she's, like, into it. And I was like, I don't even play it. And she's like, what? It's like, I, I don't. I don't have time. I didn't know that. I'm surprised she didn't say that. It's like, she's like, I'm finally into a Witcher thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She She's into Gwent. She likes uh, she likes card battle games. So, okay. so anyway, uh, to me, those are the three biggest games. They're also the three games that Riot showed the most of, if anything, yeah, well, this game is clearly the closest to done, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I think it's actually coming out before the end of this year, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. It looks like it's done already. Um, how do you feel about IPs tied into card battle games, though? Do you think it matters that much? I mean, it it can be the difference between life and death for some of them. Oh, really? I mean, like. And sometimes it doesn't even help. Like Star Wars Destiny was not a tremendously good card game, but it survived long. It survived longer than it probably should have because it's a Star Wars tie-in. Okay. Um, uh, it also can not help you in the sense that uh, they, the Wizards of the Coast, you know, the Magic people, the people who make Magic: The Gathering, yeah. made a Transformers card battle game, and because of the perception of Transformers, uh, like no one would carry it because hmm. they thought it was like for kids or something. But it was really, it's a Decent. Is it good? Yeah, it's a decent game. But it's it's non-standard card sizes, which already you're up against the wall there. Yeah. But when I went into the local board game store to ask for it, uh, they laughed at me. Really? Because a grown man wanted a Transformer. And, and the guy's like, I mean, I can order it, but I don't think the distributor's going to have it. I'm like, it's Wizard of the Coast. I'm pretty sure they're going <laughs> to have it. And he calls the calls. I'll call the distributor. He calls him up. Yeah, I'm, uh, you probably don't have it. I'm looking for, looking for Transformers, the card game. And he's like, well, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> Oh, oh it's yeah! Our bestseller. Yeah, put, put it in the put it in the order then. And it's just like uh huh. Right. I'm doing your job for Look you, bro. The last time I was in there, they actually had all the special sets like uh-huh. lined up on the shelf. Right. So, uh, but like early on, that that license was not advantageous to them. It, I, um, I always find I, it I mean, funny. I, I don't see any reason why not to use. It's like you said. Like, why is a shooter not legal? Why isn't everything not legal? Legends? Yeah, it just adds to it. It 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 generates built-in interest for anything yeah like i don't see any like i mean if anyone was going to be like well i was going to play it but now it's got league of legends characters and it's like well you aren't going to get that person anyway i mean come on so you might as well capitalize on the internationally known brand and ip that has made you your fortune and take that as far as you can take it it always trips me up when people say oh that's for kids 
And then you look around and you're like, what here couldn't be for kids? Right. Like, like these are tabletop like, board games. It's like, okay, I'm so, I'll let you get back to painting your tiny space marine. Right. The, <laughs> with the, your, the adult pastime. With your magnifying glass. The only reason Warhammer 40K is an adult pastime is how much those damn things cost. Right. Kids can't afford it and right. parents won't buy it for them. Otherwise, there's really no difference whatsoever. So, like, yeah, some of us collect Transformers things. Some of us paint eyebrows on tiny men. It's just how it works. <laughs> Uh, but overall, I would say, wow, what a 10th anniversary celebration for Riot. They really just let the floodgates just bust open. Yeah, they really wanted that plural to make sense for once. Finally, yeah. So it looks like we're getting some stuff from Riot. It's a big I feel step. bad for my friends who used to work in R&D. They're all gone. They all moved to different games now. I think one of them works at Bethesda Online now. And a bunch uh, of that. But you got to wonder. They're looking back. It's like, what? what? <laughs> well, you wonder, too, if some of their work was just shown. You know? Might have been. I mean, I don't think so, from what I understand. I mean, the only thing that I'd ever heard of beforehand was the fighting game but that was yeah. mostly because why else do you buy seth killian and tom cannon's company you yeah know? Like, yeah um, right did a good job keeping all that stuff oh under yeah wraps. they're they're very impressive like down like, that many games without any of them leaking out pretty much yeah that's pretty impressive um well they're they are nothing if not <laughs> locked down <laughs> Uh, the other thing that's nice is a couple of the people that are working on these things did confirm that most of the, the majority of the teams for these games are led by women and uh minorities yeah, Project um, A is led so by a woman. Yeah, so they're like Riot is apparently very actively attempting to fix fix what problems. was wrong with, yeah. with, with that, you know all those allegations and all the all the stuff that came out earlier this year and last year, um, and like you know that's the whole point. Like you know you don't you don't just want to kill the company because you want them to turn around and be be good. And be good, it. yeah. And uh, they seem to be on the right track. Uh, we'll we'll see if they ban anyone for talking about Hong Kong. Yeah. But, uh, they would. They will. Oh, they well, they already put out a thing that says, "Yeah, we'll do." We that. will. Yeah. No politics in the thing. They they put the same rule out yep. to be very clear about it. So yeah. uh, I don't don't imagine you'll see a lot of League of Legends players. Uh, <laughs> nope, wearing masks, wearing masks or holding up Hong signs. Kong signs. So um, <laughs> definitely not. Man, if Blizzard had just not done anything, like we might have to rename the Streisand effect the Blizzard effect. At this point. <laughs> it's, it's just still going. Yeah. Well, some people in chat are saying that they're waiting for a Fortnite card battle game. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I, they don't really have iconic characters, though. They do. Though. They have so many weird characters. Well, there's like the blonde dude and the dancing chick. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know who they are, but do they really have like? I mean, I wouldn't say and... like it would happen now, but like I bet like three or four years from now they'll have built up like enough a, of a backlog yeah. of, of a lore and kind of thing. And you could do expansions based on the different seasons where they change everything, and so like, you could take yep. the card game through the same progression as the main game has gone through. Yep. Um, there's a lot you could do. Yeah, absolutely. It could work. Maybe There's, not give right Give us a call, now. Epic. Yeah, we can yeah. put that together for you. We actually could not put no, that could, together I know for not, absolutely nothing about card, <laughs> card game balance. I know nothing about making a video game. I could not program anything. So, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. But anyway. But you could on Skillshare, which is the – sorry. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos, and it's all Skillshare. Yeah, it, yeah, and for me, it's like all SeatGeek. SeatGeek sponsors freaking everything. It's How about insane. this, guys? I'm pretty sure that if anyone who was going to use Skillshare or MailChimp has done so, yeah. Like you've reached saturation. We actually use Mailchimp. I'm, on I'm sure, yeah, everyone uses. It MailChimp. sends out all our uh, form emails to everyone when they sign up and subscribe. Like and by all. the end of Serial, I was less, much more annoyed with Mailchimp ads than I was with a guy who probably killed that girl. Right. So, like, <laughs> it's it's just a matter of of, of repetition. I did enjoy. Uh, if anyone uh, listens to Pod Save America. Uh, this week, one of the guys on it finally snapped after having to read the same. I think it was the same Skillshare ad for the first, for the, or Squarespace. I think it was Squarespace. It was the same Squarespace ad for like the the like the 
the umpteenth time and he's just like when are we going to get some new Squarespace copy my god like I can recite this in my sleep I always wonder why people always read the stuff live it's like when we get sponsors we produce like a nice little piece of video and we just run it well sometimes the sponsors want it live they want it that's to such a live. terrible idea it, I don't know because it exposes podcasters who cannot read very well. Not I mean, that they yeah. can't read, but there's an art to reading. You did do out it live loud. for a while. I did well, a couple times, and I got tired of it. And right. I was like, I'm just going to make a video. It'll look better. It'll represent our sponsors much better, and our users won't get tired of me fumbling through ad copy. So anyway, <laughs> that's uh, that's. And this is why we'll never be sponsored by <laughs> any of the same any of the YouTube companies. Probably not. <laughs> so anyway, that's uh, Riot's 10 year anniversary. They did it right. Uh, they definitely celebrated in style. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about John Wick Hex. Hex? Hex. Is it because it's on Hex's like, movement, or is it? It's not real. It is, actually. It's it, it's not obvious while you're playing it, but mm-hmm. it is on a hexagonal right. grid, kind of. So I, haven't, I haven't played it because um, it looked really bad. I, th- I got pretty good reviews, but I just I yeah. just found the visuals repellent. Yeah, so on Ask Shane Anything, somebody asked me one time, like, why don't more people call out bad reviews? And I basically said, you know, I try not to criticize other people's reviews because it's their opinion. And I have my opinion, and they may think mine is wrong, and I don't want them saying I'm insane for my opinion. So I try not to do that. But I will say this. Having played John Wick Hex, I would argue that the Metacritic average for this game is way higher for any game eval that I would write for the game. Um, it is supposed to be an XCOM clone set in the John Wick universe. And I guess you could get away with calling it that because it is a turn-based strategy game with guns that's isometric. And to me, that's pretty much where the similarities end. So the biggest difference to me between this and XCOM or some of the other bigger budget um, turn-based strategy games that have come in the last couple of years is the presentation. So when you fire your gun or you perform a melee or a takedown, it doesn't go to like a cinematic camera that kind of highlights the character. And you would think they would because it's John Wick who conceivably yeah, just, they paid a good chunk like of money. the opposite of the John Wick experience. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll get to it. It actually is not the opposite. They do some pretty smart things with it to try to make it like John Wick. But it's like, look, if you're paying for that license and you have Keanu Reeves, that is Keanu Reeves. It's not a likeness of Keanu Reeves. If you have him in your game, you'd think you would focus on Keanu Reeves while you're playing the game. Instead, you only really know it's him during the weird like comic book panel cutscenes. Um, but they do... Gameplay-wise, they do try to make it representative of the films. So no gun has a lot of ammo. So when you kill someone, you start with a gun when you start the game, but it only has like a handful of bullets, and they run out really quickly. So what one of the objects of the game is time management. And this is something that also kind of sets it apart from other XCOM likes, is that XCOM's always my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. In this game... It's a little more fluid because you the enemies don't both attack at once. They can attack you at any time. And likewise, you don't have to wait for your turn to attack either. But it's all about 
figuring out how much time it takes to do everything. So while there are not like rigid turns, bending down to pick up a gun off the ground is basically a turn. So you have to look at the environment, see how many enemies are nearby before you decide to do anything because it takes time. And if you take the time to bend down to pick up a gun, chances are if there's enemies who have already sighted you up, they're gonna shoot you while you do that. So there's that element to it. But what makes it like John Wick is that because no gun, you pick up guns from enemies, no gun has a ton of ammo. So you know, you don't get a gun and then just keep using it. You use it till it runs out of ammo and you have to pick up another one. And having watched the John Wick films, that's how they work. He's constantly running out of ammo, finding some other weapon on the ground, using it immediately and using it very well, I might add. That's the thing about John Wick. He can pick up any weapon. He's an expert at it like right away. And this game does capture some of that because you run out of ammo. Oh, there's a gun on the ground. I need to go pick it up. But wait, here are the, here's this guy coming from this direction. Here's a guy coming from the other direction. You need to figure out if you have enough time to pull off your melees or your takedowns or whether you just want to use guns. But what I discovered the more I played the game was that you want to use your guns as little as possible because it's, as it starts to get more challenging, they'll start having guys just burst out of doors like right next to you which the smart thing to do there is use a takedown or a melee. Meanwhile, somebody else is all the way down the alleyway who came out who has a gun. So you have to use your bullets on the guys who are far away. You don't want to use them on people who are close up. I got away with it in the footage you're seeing right now. But as I kept playing, I wasn't getting away with it anymore. I had to become more strategic with how I decided to use my attacks and whether I wanted to use my guns or not. Um, using the environment, like you can crouch and it does provide cover. Like if you're behind cover, the enemies won't try to like shoot through the cover. And from what I've experienced, they can't shoot through the cover. Uh, so there is a little bit of a strategic element to it, but the enemy AI is so stupid that what I found was when I'd get behind an object, we just started playing ring around the rosy around the object. <laughs> me trying to get behind them to melee them while they try to get behind me to melee or, or shoot me. Um, and then the presentation of the game, it is so low rent. Like I, I I'm surprised that you would spend that much money for a license. And this was made by the same company that handled, handled the film. So maybe there was some kind of a deal that the studio, is it Paramount that makes the John Wick films? Mm, I don't remember. Whatever the studio is that makes the John Wick films, they also <clears throat> published this game. So it could be where they signed a deal with the actors from the film and they're like, look, this deal covers you for the film, but it also covers your likeness in bumper marketing, which could be a video game, it could be some goofy YouTube video you make or whatever. Maybe they signed off on this and the studio didn't actually have to chuck out the money for the IP. But the bottom line is that even though the gameplay tries to make use of what John Wick is as a film, overall, it, it completely drops the ball in taking advantage of the license. The cutscenes, as you saw earlier... Lionsgate. 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 Yeah, so Lionsgate is also the publisher of the game. So I'm guessing there was some kind of a deal wrapped up with the actors where they did the movie and then they had to do the game or whatever. At least they signed off their likeness for the game. Uh, as near as I can tell, they have the real voices from the actors, from the films. So they, at one point, they went into a VO booth and laid down the, the voiceover for this game. So that's good and authentic. But again, it just, the license is completely wasted because the cutscenes are these comic book cells that aren't even animated. Uh, the cells just shift around as stuff happens with sound effects. It just, I have a feeling this game was supposed to come out right when the last movie came out. They didn't get it done in time. And they're like, okay, well, maybe we'll just hold the game until 
the movie comes out for rental or whatever. Well, that also happened like a few weeks ago. So I, my guess is the game didn't come out as good as they wanted it to. They ended up pushing it back, and ultimately they are just like, well, the movie's been out for a while now. There's not going to be another one for a couple years. Like, we just need to get this game out. So I'm shocked at the Metacritic for this game. I did not really enjoy it at all. Uh, I, I appreciate that they tried to bring some of the John Wick aesthetic to a turn-based strategy game, and I think they hit the mark in a couple areas, but just overall, the game just was not fun to play, and it wasn't rewarding to play either. Hmm. Um, and maybe that changes when you get towards the end, but I played a good bit of this, and it never really warmed up in the whole time I spent with it. So I do not recommend John Wick Hex. Um, Vincent is saying Mike Bithell made it, but I don't think Bithell actually did the development on this. Yeah, he like, did. He did? He's listed as the lead designer. Yeah. I mean, it's his company. I'm just wondering. Right, it seems like he has his fingers in a lot of pies these days. I mean, this to me, this game is not up to Bithell quality, I guess is what I'm getting at. So I don't know. It's the only thing he's put out this year. Yeah, so I don't know if he just, this was one of like several projects he was working on, and he's like, hey, here's the design doc. You guys work on the game and build a game. I don't know. But if this if Bithel really dedicated 100% of his time to this, I'm really disappointed. This was a, I mean, this was apparently came about because Bithel and, Bithel and his friend Ben Ad, Andak, who works with the publisher Good Shepherd, uh, or the other company involved with this in addition to, to um, Lionsgate, was ba- they were basically talking about making a game that captured that this kind of gunplay from an action movie. And uh, Andak was part of... Andek was later part of discussions between Lionsgate and Good Shepherd Entertainment, and they were, the film production company was looking for novel ideas for video games that could be used to expand on John Wick. And uh, he brought that up, and that's how they all got involved. But it is, it is, he is listed as uh, having a big part in director. it. Director. I am disappointed. I am disappointed. He is listed <laughs> as director, and Bithel Games is listed as the sole developer. Interesting. So it is him. That's disappointing to me to hear that. Mike Bithel was alone. I mean, yeah, they look, they are onto something. Like, mm-hmm. just. The whole, you got five bullets, now you got none. You got to get a gun. Do you have time to get the gun? I mean, they're, the concepts yeah, what you're are describing okay. kind of makes me think of Super Hot. A little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, actually, that's a good comparison. Obviously, Super Hot's 3D and a first right. person. Well, like, but the idea of like kind of the using the battlefield as sort of a, a part of the strategy. Yeah, I mean, you can throw guns mm-hmm. at enemies as well. If you're out of bullets, like you can throw a, a gun at the enemy and you can stun them. Um, but overall, I did not enjoy this game at all. I don't like the look of the game. I don't like the. I look. don't think it looks good. I don't like around. the look of the cutscenes, um, if you want to call them that. The art looks awful. It's like you can kind of tell the characters are who they are. I mean, I don't know. I. I mean, I guess I would know that that's supposed to be Keanu Reeves. Like, Keanu Reeves' nose doesn't look like that. Yeah. But, I don't know. It's just stylized, but. And this is the extent of the storytelling. This is how the story I mean, is told. I mean, that doesn't really bother me. Well, the other thing I should but... mention, too, is that this B-roll was edited because it will stay on these mm. stills for a really long time. So when we cut this B-roll, we cut out all the frozen cells where they just sat there for like 30 mm. seconds waiting for them to move. So you're seeing this now. You're like, oh, it's moving. It's not so bad. It's way worse when you actually play the game. We've made it look better with this B-roll than it actually is while you're playing. So... That's a pretty in-depth lower third there. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, XCOM joke, but also excommunicated, meaning, like, you know, he didn't like it, but also, like, 
the 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 themes of God and banishment in the John Wick movies, and I was like, that's like that's like a four layer deep pun right there. Damn right, it's one of our best lower thirds ever, and no one even realized it until now. <laughs> so anyway, that's John Wick Hex. You can get it on everything. I don't recommend you buy it on any platform. Um, I would say. If you're a big John Wick fan, is there such a thing? Oh, yeah. There are big, hardcore John Wick fans? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, if you're one of those people, then this is probably the only game you're ever going to get. Go buy it. You probably already did. Uh, If you kind of like the films and you kind of like the concepts that I talked about uh, discussing it here, I'd wait till it's like five bucks. I would never pay more than $5 for this myself. How much is it now? I think it's 15. Hmm. Yeah. So anything more than $5, I would not pay. And I'll just put it to you that way. Feels like something that would end up as like, on PlayStation Plus. Oh yeah. At some point. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or it's going to be a free game on Epic Game Store or whatever, mm-hmm. and I don't think it'll even take that long to get there. So there you go, John Wick Hacks, available for all platforms. But don't wait too long because those licenses usually run out about three years. Actually, you're right. You're right. Like if you see Steam and stuff like that, a lot of games get taken down because they sign the license and mm-hmm. it expires, and they got to remove that stuff. So, yeah, maybe it's just a don't buy period. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Dungeons and Dragons, tabletop gaming. Somehow, Satan's game. Yeah, somehow a topic on today's show. Mm-hmm. Um, so D&D Classics were put out by, what publisher is it? Uh, Beamdog. Beamdog, which I've never even like really heard of. Uh, the main stuff they've done is the enhanced editions of these games on PC. Yeah, and so we're going to talk about primarily about three games, but there's like five, I think, right? There's four. Four. Uh, there's a fifth one coming, but it's not till December. Okay. Um, and we're going to talk today about uh, Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale, and Planescape Torment. Yeah. Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. 1 and 2. The, so there's two, two collections, uh, Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 and 1, and Icewind Dale and Planescape Torment in the other. The other, the fifth one is not Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition, which is coming in December. Uh, totally different thing. All four of these are what's called Infinity Engine games because they run on BioWare's Infinity Engine. They are not all made by BioWare, but they mostly were. Um, these were the kind of the the computer RPGs of yesteryear that like de- <laughs> that like defined what CRPG storytelling should be. I mean, it's these these are the games that got BioWare the Knights of the Old Republic gig, yeah, which then led to Mass Effect and Dragon. I mean, this is yeah, this, this the is, Genesis. This is the old school. This is the Doctors in their prime. Um. So these have been available on PC for a long time, uh, relatively, but they just came to P- to consoles this week, um, and I picked them up because I like these games a lot. For the most, I don't like Icewind Dale very much. Icewind- How many times have you bought these games at this point? Do you think um, the original Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate Two? I have bought one, two, three, four, five, now six times. <laughs> You've really given them um, your money. One of those one of those versions was the Mac version. Oh wow. Back in the day, <laughs> which I still have in a giant like f- unfolding billfold of like 7 CDs. Yeah. Um I don't know what I have a whole box full of Mac versions of games from when I was a Mac only player before I could afford a PC along with my Mac that I'm like I don't know what to do with it. like I wonder if anyone cares about archiving this code for history or something right. it's certainly not worth it for any other reason. Yeah. Does anybody need the Mac version of Alien versus Predator? <laughs> so I got you that. needed it. <laughs> um but these are, you know, you can see they're they're isometric it's a very isometric day. It uh, is. they're isometric kind of point and click uh RPGs. Uh the Baldur's Gate games are directly the Baldur's Gate was the first one. Baldur's Gate uh, is directly based on second edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. 
you you may notice they're up to five ver- edition five now. I remember when version two was the thing. Oh yeah, it was this thing it was for a huge. long time. Yeah, it was, it was it, from when like well, I was a kid to like early two thousands. Yeah, like it was. Was it the, till the two thousands? Three point didn't come out till like we were a G four. Really, yeah. I didn't know that. And then they did like a three point five, and then I remember version two coming out was a huge deal. Yeah, well, because version two. 2.0 or 2.5 is kind of what made Dungeons and Dragons playable. Yeah. <laughs> like it, like it really. That's when they finally nailed the formula. Um, but then all like, um, what were the little expansion books called? Uh, ex- campaigns. I campaigns. Guess. Yeah. Some of the campaigns became like you couldn't use them anymore. Like the original D and D. Yeah, there was there was some stuff that just wasn't compatible, or you had to buy a second book, a second yeah. book that kind of like updated it because the stats went different. Yeah. The change. I mean, the change over to three. If no one, if you've never played anything before third edition um this is a very different system because it uses thaco which is the uh the um uh infamously stupid (laughs) way of calculating (laughs) chances to hit um and the weird armor system where your armor class is better if it's lower because uh basically the i I believe it's something about the i can't even remember how it works anymore even though i've been playing these games the best thing about baldur's gate if you played AD&D, was that you didn't have to do any of that anymore. It just did it under the hood. Yeah. And it does still use all the same legitimate real dice rolls and rules of AD&D, especially if you pick the core set uh, difficulty on this. But it all is under the hood, and you don't have to deal with any of that yeah. stuff because there was a lot of weird math involved oh, in yeah. some of that stuff back in the day. And you'd have to explain to someone, oh, you want your armor class to be lower, and actually negative is even better because what you want is like that is basically added to the hit roll of the enemy. So if you're in the negatives, you're taking numbers away from their roll, which means they have less of a chance to hit right. you. Yeah. Um, in third edition and forward, it's just like, did you roll over this? Yes. Then you hit them, and then it subtract the damage from their the armor class from their damage. Like yeah. it's it's a much more intuitive system. Yep. But this is back. This is back, as they said in the uh, the old uh, uh, Dead Alewives skit. For God's sake, Mark, this is advanced. <laughs> um, Do these games still hold up? Um, they look ha- like they might. It's hard for me to say to some degree because I did play them back in the day. I, If you want my rundown... I, I have would, a lot of nostalgia for these games. If you want my rundown, I would say it's like this. Um, Baldur's Gate 1 is okay. Okay. Uh, the problem with Baldur's Gate 1 is that once the, the prologue and chapter 1 are out of the way, the storytelling kind of goes away until the end. Okay. It's one of those games. Uh, Baldur's Gate 2 is probably is probably the direct predecessor to KOTOR and Mass Effect. Yep. Like in terms of writing, that's where you saw it. In terms to take of like shape. the structure, because all the other thing is Baldur's Gate One is is a is a what would be in the campaign set in the in the pen and paper game a low level adventure. Like you max out at level ten in that game. Yeah, um, the leveling is very slow in Baldur's Gate Two. You get thousands of XP for things. You 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 level up into what would have been in the old A and D sets, what was called Immortals rules, where like you leveled up so high that you needed a new set of rules to apply to your character because they were basically a god. Um, so Baldur's Gate Two takes it much further. You get much more interesting abilities um, because you're higher level. You get you, you know there's a lot more fireworks going off, and the story is better. The story is oh, more yeah. involved throughout. It gets into like some really heavy good versus evil. You import your character from Baldur's Gate One, um, which at the time was like at the time was crazy. Like, <laughs> How do they so, do that? So there's like the thing about Baldur's is like part of me wants to recommend just going straight to Baldur's Gate Two, but it's also so much better when you get this character you've gone through the first game with. Yeah. And bringing them forward, and the char- some of the characters, uh, their compa- the companions in your party, like carry on, 
And like, it's just, it's a better experience if you can play Baldur's Gate 1. And they added a bunch of extra tweaks to this, this ver- these versions of the game that make that possible. Like, you can just play on a level, on a difficulty level where you literally can't die. Oh. Like, there's a story mode where you literally just can walk through the game. No one can kill you. You can just kind of play along and, and see the story and do that. That's a fast way to get through Baldur's Gate. You're not penalized for it at all. Huh. So there's like that. I don't know how I feel about that. There's a, I, I think it's great. Absolutely. Like, any anything. Why not? Um, you can also play. There's easy, which is sort of a similar thing. There's normal, which is fine. It's actually a little, I, I'm playing it on normal. I think it's a little too easy, but uh, it's core rules, which would have been normal in the old game. It's just like that's the rules of D and D right there. It's playing it like that as it was meant to be. And then there's like two or three crazy difficulties after it, including one that I think like doesn't let you like change anything like the oh, whole wow. time. It's, it's like basically Jeez. iron. It's like Iron Man mode. Um, so, uh, so however, and all four of the games have that. So, however you want to play this thing, you absolutely can. Um, if you want to burn through it and not worry about the tactical combat, you can. If you want to play it as like a hardcore Iron Man thing, you can, and anything in between. How about the controls? Uh, now that it's on the console? controls, work pretty good. So, uh, this is this is a point and click, you know, point and click adventure game RPG. Uh, a long time, it was considered impossible to put on. Uh, console because of how much it required the mouse and all this stuff yep. but they've done a pretty good job i think of balancing it so like you move around with a curse with the stick with the analog stick as you would expect um you can zoom in and out you can zoom out really far as a matter of fact and then you can um you hit the the right trigger brings up sort of like a radial menu that lets you pick all the inventory spell sheets like this because remember this is old school D so like oh yeah magic users um you know, mages, priests, clerics, whatever. Ma- spells have to be memorized. So you, you know you know a spell. It's in your spell book. But you will have to memorize. You have a certain number of spells you can memorize per day. And you memorize the spells and you use that spell. That spell is gone until you rememorize your spells and rest another eight hours. Right. Uh, which basically means low-level uh, magic characters, very hard to play. Yeah, I would without imagine. Without a functioning party around yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you've never played these games before, absolutely pick a fighter or a uh, a fighter, a barbarian, a paladin, like some kind of. Um... I mean, let's be honest. That's the way D and D was, though. Yeah, yeah. That was the party. That was the party dynamic. Yeah. But, like playing as a magic user in this in this game is pretty dull early on because you can only cast like two, three spells at once, and then you're out, and yeah. you have to like basically hope that nobody decides to come over and hit you because you have like four hit points. Yeah. I mean, maxed out Constitution fighter like starts with fourteen or fifteen HP in this yep. game. Um, this is and like three hits can kill you. Like it, yeah. boom. Like it's uh, and on the normal difficulty and higher, um, if you get hit with a critical and you're low enough, your the character just disintegrates into chunks and you can't even resurrect them. Oh gosh! Like these games are hardcore. Yeah, like, like they, from back in the day, um, they were hard. I remember yeah, them being they were. hard. They, now there are some improvements. Obviously, you can play them like however you want. So it's like it's not as ear bleedingly frustrating the other the other thing they've improved is uh, a lot of the the sound mix and some stuff like one of the hallmarks of the original Baldur's Gate as I remember playing it was oh boy that game was in love with footsteps yeah yeah like it was they just were footsteps they've toned that down they've, they've balanced that a little better um, but you know using the the right trigger to get into things like works pretty well you can still pause the game and move so you can like I think it's a, I think it's B is it B or something like you hit a button and you can un un 
like hook the cursor from your character and, and point it. at things and okay. do whatever you need. Um, but it all handles itself pretty well. And as a matter of fact, I went back and played a little bit last night. I played a little bit of the Enhanced Edition on Steam on my PC. And honestly, I found myself missing the controller controls a little wow. bit. Wow. Because now, because the screen is so big now that, like, I have to move the mouse all the way up and, right. and around and get to the different <laughs> buttons. And on the controller, I can just hit the hit the right trigger and go to the thing. And go, That's I mean, funny. It's actually a little more intuitive. I can yeah. hit, um, bo- you hit both uh, bumpers and you automatically select your whole party to oh, move okay. them around. Um, or you hit, so the bumpers, lots of... you hit the bumpers individually and you select individual characters. Um, it's it's clunky at first, but you get there, and then and then I played with the mouse. I was like, oh, it's just it's just clunky with a mouse too. It's just yeah. a different kind of clunky. I'm assuming um, the frame rate's like a billion frames a second. It's fine. It runs. It's, I think like it crazy. runs like sixty. It's yeah, because they ran not great back in the day. No, they were at chunky. least on my PC. It did. I mean, they weren't trying to. Yeah, really, but like this. Yeah, yeah, this runs fine. I mean, it's 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 an old game. Like you can. Yeah. There's like options to like make the sprites like outline to make them stand out more and stuff. It's. At least they didn't lose their source code. If you zoom in far enough, you'll you'll hurt yourself a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, but it's still there. Like yeah. everything still works. Um, the star. I mean, so you've got the Baldur's Gate games. Icewind Dale was not Bioware. It was it was it was similar. It's also using AD and D rules, but it's more of just a straight dungeon crawl. Yeah. The Icewind Dale games were pretty much like, hey, you want to you want to just dig through a dungeon like and just burn like hit kill things like over and over like that's what Icewind Dale is. It's it's Diablo for Baldur's Gate basically. Yeah. Um, it was never that interesting to me. Uh, the star of the collections are is Planescape Torment. I figured, yeah. which is um, it's like game of the year, and we saw in that B roll, game of the year, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. So Planescape Torment is set in uh, a Dungeons and Dragons twenty setting. years old now. Uh, yeah, crazy so a Dungeons and Dragons setting called Planescape, uh, which came out in nineteen ninety four, and uh, it's not as crazy revolutionary now when you play it like in this era of things, but like. The Planescape is basically set in, uh, it was set in kind of a multiverse that exists sort of under the main Dungeons and Dragons world, which is called the Prime Plane. Um, so basically the premise is that there's like m- infinite numbers of multiversal planes that you can go to. And like there's a whole, like, I mean, there's a, it's all centered on the city called Sigil. And like, I've never played it's Planescape. It's where, it's where dead people go. And there's like, there's, there's connections to all these different planes of, various forms of hell and every kind of a mythological location you can think of. If you can think of it, you can go there in the Planescape setting. And the idea of a multiverse was a revolutionary thing in pop culture at the time. Um, it really was not a thing. I mean, now it's, I mean, everybody who saw Avengers Endgame knows what a multiverse is. Yeah. But back then it was like, no, you if you weren't like into hardcore fantasy novels or something, you didn't know what that was. Yeah, or, yeah, of course. Or if you were a comic book nerd. I mean, obviously yeah, comic yeah. books have had that kind of thing all the time. But Planescape was unique in that it took sort of that idea and applied it to D&D. Uh, if, you, if you actually like Google Planescape campaign source book, you can find, because like, it hasn't been used in forever, so you can usually find PDFs of that and read some of that. That stuff's crazy. It's huh. really good. So Planescape Torment is a game set in that world, in that version of D&D. Um... Whereas uh, um, Baldur's Gate is set in, um, oh, what is that called? There's a specific type of set of D&D setting that Baldur's Gate takes place in that begins with an F, and I can't remember what, Forbidden something, forbid, it's something like that. Um, but uh, Planescape takes place in, in Planescape. Uh, it is it is basically Chris Avalon unleashed. Yeah. Um, Chris Avalon being the guy who wrote all the best 
RPGs ever. I mean, did nice, being honest, he yeah. was, you know, did, did uh, yeah. uh, Obsidian stuff. Uh, I mean, he, he's still doing it. Oh, he's doing Dying Light Two now. Yeah, um, but he did. You know, he did Kotor Two. He did uh, New Vegas. Like you know, he, he, this was he when he was a young buck. Yeah, though. and this is just like. Planescape is just crazy. It's it's let it's letting you loose. It's letting him loose on this weird setting. You you start as a corpse. Uh, you wake up on a on a slab in a in, a, in an alternate dimension morgue. Oh, run- forgotten realms. Justin forgotten Horton. realms. That's, That's it. What it was. Yep. Good call, Justin. Al- alternate. It's it's you're basically in. You wake up as an undead person in a morgue. In another dimension, staffed by zombies, and a flying <laughs> skull comes up and talks to you and helps you get out. Yeah. And once you get out, you end up in Sigil, which is the central kind of hub city of the Planescape setting. And from there, you travel through every imaginable place you could think of, trying to figure out who you are. You are the, you are the nameless one. You don't know who you are. You gather through the course of exploring the mortuary you wake up in that you have been you have died many many times and woken up there and every time you forget who you are you've got like messages to yourself tattooed all over your body or carved into your body with like knives so think sort of um, memento a little bit um, you run into someone who seems like she must have been like the ghost of someone who might have been your wife at some point you have the ability to resurrect people you you are something you you don't know what you are but you have to figure out what you are. And so, but the but the trick to it is, there is combat. There's kind of like rudimentary, like Baldur's Gate style combat, but most of it is in dialogue, and conversation, and skill checks in that regard. Um, and it's it's almost a giant novel. Like it's hmm. it's you're so much reading and so much dialogue and so much like like narrative. It's amazing, and it's just it's one of the most well written games ever. If you can get past the archaic presentation. You're in for a treat. And, I, and the one thing I will say, if you do intend to play it, I would say don't look up the source book for the Planescape ah. setting. Because one of the cool things about Planescape Torment is discovering the setting as you go. Gotcha. I mean, um, it's kind of part of the the way the story is told. Yeah. yeah. And the other the other advice I will give you is when you, when you start, uh, Baldur's Gate, when you start and create a character, you have to roll like you used to in the old D&D games. You have to... You roll for your stats. Yeah, and you, That's have, to the way re- it you have a maximum of eighteen. You re-roll, re- and you can re-roll, 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 and and until you get like a you know it gives you a little total. You know, like the maximum total is like one oh eight or something. Um, so you 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 re-roll until you get something in the nineties. Yeah, and then so you redistribute the points how you, how you want them. Yeah, with Planescape, you just start out. Everything's rated a nine, and then you get a certain number. I think twenty one points to distribute around them. If you play this game, you've never played it before. Um. Make wisdom maximum. Okay. Put wisdom to 18. Pro tip. Wisdom is the thing that gets you dialogue options. It's the thing that makes you – is the most important for, for skill checks. Uh, and, in fact, I would say pump wisdom to maximum. Pump intelligence up to 15 or 16. Pump charisma up. Screw strength. <laughs> screw dexterity. You are talking to people. In yeah, this yeah. Game. It's not about combat. Um, and you will get um, tattoos and upgrades through the course of the game that max your stuff out to 25. 25 is the limit to which stats are useful in Planescape. Uh, Planescape is one of my favorite games of all time, in case you haven't noticed. No, that. you can tell. I mean, um, just the passion you're speaking about it with. Uh, and I will also say that what the game, you know, the game we've been talking about that we can't talk about until next week is uh, Disco Elysium. Yeah. And Planescape Torment is the closest comparison to I can make to that game. Like that that game playing Disco High Elysium. Praise. It's funny that they both came out on the same day yeah. because playing Disco Elysium is the closest thing I've had to playing Planescape Torment since Planescape Torment. Like it's amazing. How do the packages work as far as the package I saw like in the B-roll there there's like 
There's like three different packages. One of them is not coming to like next year or December, I think. December is the Neverwinter Nights one. Okay. So Neverwinter Nights uh, Enhanced Edition is just Neverwinter Nights and all of its expansions. And then there's, I think there's also DLC, new DLC. Like people have been making new campaigns for that that you can buy for like nine bucks or something. Yeah. A couple of them are pretty good. So the current collections, there's the Baldur's Gate collection, which is the two Baldur's Gates, and there's the Torment collection, which is Torment and uh, Icewind Dale. How much, are, how much is a package with they the two Baldur's They are an Baldur's absolutely Gates? absurd $50. Oh, my gosh. They are ridiculously what? overpriced. <laughs> wow. Okay. And, and, to, and to that point, I will say, if you if you wait for the next Steam sale or something, you can get these things for like 5 bucks. Right. Yeah. Like, like, I realize a lot of work went into making these console versions. Like, there's a whole thing. I mean, but – and I did buy them both. Like, I bought them both because I'm a big fan of these games. But if you don't know if you like them or not, don't, do don't spend $50 on these things. Yeah. I mean, look, Planescape Torment is, again, what I'd pay 50 bucks for it. I did pay 50 bucks for it when it came out. Um, but I'd pay 50 bucks for it even without Icewind Dale. I don't care that Icewind Dale comes with it. I'll probably never even start Icewind Dale. Yeah. But – Fifty bucks is a lot of money for a twenty-year-old oh, game. Yeah. I mean, it's like it, that. Who's? I mean, I think the the controls. I mean, when you on say console, a lot of work, what you really mean is like a five-man team worked on it for probably like six months. I would not say that. I really? would say this, these are probably bigger teams just because there's so much to go through. Yeah, yeah. Um, the overall overwhelming. I mean, they quantity. are ports of existing PC versions. The enhanced editions are all on PC already. But you have to bring these over to the consoles. You have to bring them over to console architecture. You have to make everything functional on a controller. You have to rebalance everything for what controllers can do. I mean, the amount of debugging that must have gone through this, and especially considering how, like, you know, especially since the code for this, a lot of these were written for iOS. Like, yeah. the original Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition was for iOS. My guess is that they know the audience for these games are older people mm-hmm. who at this point are probably w- pretty well established in their careers and have lots of disposable income. Most likely. I mean, it, just 50 bucks for two games in a collection is crazy. Yeah, it Especially is. Especially when you're talking about... When they're about, 20 years old. When you're talking about, like, the, the what you get for, like, say, the Crash collection, which they rebuilt from the ground up. Yep. Yeah. I mean... That you got for 50 bucks. Or maybe less, actually. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was like yeah, 40. I think it was 40, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the value... I mean, to be fair, these games are very long. Like yeah, you're, yeah. You're, oh, yeah. You're getting... Dozens you're getting of hours from each the one. The Baldur's Gate, you're getting like 200 hours yeah. out of that. Yeah. Uh, Planescape Torment's probably closer to 60, 70. Um, still. But, like, I mean... You're getting still, a lot of bang for the buck, but... Yeah, but 50 bucks for... I mean, 40, I would have been like, mm, that's a lot, but these are pretty great games. 50 is just, That's like, taking advantage of fans, basically. You've, you've definitely gone over my limit. The other thing is, like, there are these, like, special editions you could get, like, multiple yeah, versions. Yeah, we saw those, too, yeah. I'm pretty sure those are a better deal. Oh, really? It's like nine, it's like 150... It was, like, 99 or 120 or something for all of them in one big thing. Which is less than buying the three right. set. You know, yeah, three yeah. of them is hundred fifty. A lot less, yeah. Um, I think it was ninety nine dollars or something. It was it was a better deal. If so I you're saying that. if you're going to dive into these, just buy the. Big well, the pack. problem with buying that pack is that you uh, don't get it till December because Neverwinter Nights. Oh, uh, right, right, right. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you're into it, cool. Uh, I do not regret buying at least Planescape because well, it's one of your favorite games of, of all time. Games. It's great yeah. to have it in a, you know, in a in a console version. And it'll be there forever. And You'll I am playing it, it on a 4K 65-inch television. Uh, they look fine. They don't, I mean, they look like what you th- you're looking at this visual here like it That's what they look. That's like. what they look like. It's yeah. not you're not going to have anyone come over and be like, "Oh, wow, what are you playing?" <laughs> your like, you're going to have people come over and be like, "What? What are, are you playing?" playing? <laughs> um, it, very different thing. That's funny. 
Um, but like, if you've never played these games and you don't have a PC that can run them, I mean, you should have a PC that can run them. But like, if you don't want to play them on a PC as whatever, um, you can do a lot worse than putting Planescape on your on your Christmas list. Alternately, let somebody else jump on that grenade. You could, you could just buy Disco Elysium, which is ten bucks cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> so, and again, we'll talk about that. We'll one get on to Tuesday. that. Yeah. We'll get to that. All right, but, uh, look, we got to move on though. But. but it's a good. I think they did a good. The job. collection is great. I would never have thought we'd be playing these games on console, and they pretty much pulled it off. Um, they're, they're overpriced, but they actually they did do a really good job with them. So kudos for doing that. I just wish Beam Dog. I just wish they'd been like a little more reasonable. Ten to fifteen bucks less. Yeah. All right. But I don't know what economics they're dealing with. So I mean, you probably had to pay a lot of money, some kind of money, to license the D and D license on top of everything sure. else. So. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yep. Pay it if you want it. Yep. That's pretty much what it comes down to. All right. We're going to move on. We're going to talk next about Ghostbusters, the game, hmm. which has just been remastered, just released. Matt also ha- less. Also less <laughs> than, than those collections. Two 20-year-old yeah. RPGs. Uh, Matt, how big of a Ghostbusters fan are you? That's an interesting question. Yeah. I, I just l- wondered. Like, we've never really talked about Ghostbusters between lo- the two of us. I love the first movie. I really love the cartoon, the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, that was shockingly the real, good. The real Ghostbusters is uh, the definitive Ghostbusters to me. Um, I hate Ghostbusters two. Yeah, I think Ghostbusters two is a terrible. One of the, the worst. Cash I think in, Ghostbusters yeah. two is actually the worst sequel ever made to a great movie. Um, okay, the caveat of to a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean there were sequels made, worse. but in terms of like like a, like a sequel that just did not understand why its original movie was great. Yeah, like Ghostbusters two is the <laughs> best example by far. It's like <laughs> like you 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 just like you took the strongest comedian in your whole group and you had him mug around and improv with a baby for two hours. Just what yeah. the hell is going on? <laughs> um, I, that, what that, about the newest one that caught all kinds of grief? That, Ghostbusters 2 is the first movie my dad ever took me to that I apologized to him for making him <laughs> take me to because I was so disappointed. That was at the point where you were starting to become cognizant of what is good and what yeah. is bad. I yeah. mean, but also, like, we got to remember in my house, like, my dad's whole thing was like, I don't care what what it is. If you want to see the movie, he's a big movie. He's a movie fan the way we're video game fans. Yeah. You know, or the way I'm a movie fan, really. Yeah. And my dad would, would be like, whatever you want to see, we'll go see it. You don't have to worry about it. Because his dad would never never wanted to take him to see the things he wanted to see. Yeah. And he hated that. So he was like, whatever you want to see, we'll go see it. I don't care if it's R-rated or whatever. Like, we'll just go see whatever you want to do. Because that's, that's what I wanted when I was a kid. So that's what you're going to get when you're a kid. Which is cool yeah you know? that's awesome um that's a, the most permissive he was about anything yeah i don't think my it? dad ever went to a movie with me in my entire life but now he, that uh, i think about wow. it like ever yeah that's like the main thing my dad and i had in common yeah was going to movies together but um uh the, uh, the 2016 one um i i liked it in concept uh i think the problem with it was that they got paul feig to direct it yeah. um who has done some decent comedies but Paul Feig's style of directing is to shoot hours and hours and hours and hours of improv and make the find editors the good find bits. the five minutes uh, of funny theoretical the theoretical funny in them. And that is not it. a that's not any way to do good comedy. And b you can't do sci-fi effects heavy comedy that way. Like the great thing about Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters movie, is one of the tightest scripts of the eighties. Oh it, yeah, it's amazing. Ghostbusters and and uh, and Back to the Future are two of the greatest yeah. screenplays written of their era. Yeah, and part of the reason is because Dan. Aykroyd worked on that story for like 15 years. Yeah, it was like, like it was, his, it was his baby. pet project yeah. by far. Him and Ramis worked on it for a long, long time. 
Um, and I think one of the problems with Ghostbusters 2 is they had to come up with that like that. They had, they had no time to oh, bring that like, up. Oh, we need a sequel in two years? Yeah. So I'm not against the idea of rebooting the Ghostbusters or doing an all-female cast or whatever or putting Chris Hemsworth in as a goofball or whatever the hell you want to do. But you got to get someone who can direct that kind of movie and do yeah. that kind of storytelling. And that whole movie is like weird and disjointed. And you can tell that like these scenes were went on and on and on. And they just sort of pulled out individual takes that they thought were funny, but they, the takes don't match each other uh. properly. And like you can tell like there's a huge act two to act three transition that doesn't make any sense where like... Uh, Kristen Wiig's character is like off by herself in a hotel room and then she like rejoins them and with all the, and there's a big triumphant shot of her rejoining the team but she never left the team because they uh, cut that part they out cut the part out where so, she like, went away it, it's bizarre <laughs> like the whole the, that whole movie is like one of the most bizarre like so it's crap is what you're saying I mean yeah but like not for the reasons the internet says it's crap and I don't even think it was that much crap I enjoyed most of it and individual performances in it but it's just not up to also it's better than Ghostbusters 2 bite me <laughs> um, that's a low bar to absolutely to cross, a low but. bar but that's what I don't get when people talk about ruining Ghostbusters is like Ghostbusters 2 exists yeah. it's too late we're done yeah um, but I love the cartoon I love the original I, and I like this game when it originally came out because this is basically Ghostbusters 3 like this is this is the closest you're ever going to get to Ghostbusters three, especially now that Harold Ramis is dead. Um, you have all the originals. You know, everybody thought Bill Murray would never come back for any Ghostbusters stuff. And but he one did of the for this. He did for this. Yeah. But one of the reasons he didn't want to come back for Ghostbusters stuff is because Ghostbusters two sucks so right. much. Right. Yeah. Um, but he. But this is a pretty solid follow up for the most part. So this does not follow in either of the films. Oh, it does. Oh, it does. It is in continuity with. It is, according to Dan Aykroyd, this is officially Ghostbusters three. Oh, okay. This, is, this takes place in 1991 after the events of Ghostbusters 2. But what I'm saying is this it is, doesn't retell what happened in the no, first two. No, this is a sequel completely to the, to the original stories. Movie. Yeah. So this is Ghostbusters 2 is 89. This takes place uh, two years later um, when they are a, still a moderately successful business bringing on new employees, apparently, because you play the rookie that right. replaces the last rookie that I guess Egon blew up or something. <laughs> um so uh, yeah, and so like basically, so they got the whole cast back except for um, um, Rick Moranis who retired uh, to take care of his kids and never came back to acting because he never dis- he realized after a few years he didn't miss it. Yeah, uh, but he he had his- made his money. Well, no, his his wife died. Oh, his wife died of I think liver cancer. That'll do in, it. Like ninety one, ninety two. So he had to take care and of the kids. He, yeah, he had to take care of the kids. He made tons of money off of the Honey I Shrunk the Kids movies and took all that and and. Saved it, invested it, went back over to the um, back home and uh, raised his kids. And over the course of time, realized he did not miss acting. He did do a couple voice acting roles for Disney. He did um, he did something I think Brother Bear and a couple of things like partly for his kids. Part- I never even realized he's been gone. Yeah, he's been, he, the last movie he made I think was Honey I Shrunk the Kids two or three. Wow, it was like, like 92, 93. Wow, back then. it's been that long. And he wouldn't come back for Ghostbusters stuff. Even the cameo, he wouldn't. He doesn't really? come back. Really? He's, he's not. Yeah, he's, he's not. Dang. He's not mean about it. He's not. But, he, but he, it's not his life anymore. He just doesn't care. Huh. So how's if, the remaster of the game? Because um, this game, I think, is if I remember, it's Metacritic back in the day. It was probably like a six and a half, seven, something like that. Seven-ish. Uh, I think I gave it a four. I did review this for X-Play. For X-Play? Day. I gave it a four. Um, That's good for I liked X-Play. It. That's a high score for X-Play. Uh, I liked it. Um, I think it doesn't hold up tremendously well now because it's just... It's Why? A, it's a really... Is it the game design or the gameplay? A little of both. I mean, partly it's just like games are a little more reactive to you now, yeah. and uh, you're not doing the same thing over and over again as much as you were in this. I mean, the, it's a slow burn to some degree because you get you get some interesting abilities, but they sort of develop over time. 
The other thing is like with the remaster is the, they couldn't do a whole lot with the cutscenes because the cutscenes were pre-rendered. Yeah. And they look worse than the real-time graphics now. Yeah. And, That's funny. And the other problem, <laughs> the other problem is that I'm playing on the uh, Xbox One, the Xbox One X. And the blacks are crushed into oblivion. Like they're, they're just like, like the mushy. color balance is completely off. Uh, like you can't see anything in the dark areas. Oh jeez, it's very. I mean, the Xbox One has always had like a crushed black problem. Uh, I didn't know that. Things, that was, it's always been, especially early on, there was a lot of trouble with that, and they'd have to patch it or, or adjust it. Um, but I haven't seen anything like that in a long time, and this is the first time I've seen that in quite a while. And at least cer- certainly the first time I've seen it where I notice it all the time because I just can't see what I'm doing half the time. Uh, so if you are going to get this or haven't gotten it yet, I would definitely suggest getting it on uh, PlayStation 4 Pro. If you have a choice. If you have a choice. Because um, I don't, I find the Xbox One X version to just – it's not unplayable, it's, it just, but it's very visually noticeable to me at least. Does it run in 4K? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it does. I think yeah, it might I, run in 2K. I doubt it. Yeah. Um, it runs well. It runs smooth, but uh, it's just too, the, the blacks are just too dark. I wonder if next generation remakes will be in 4K. I don't know. That's how, tough. I don't know how much 4K is really going to be a matter to anybody. I know they're, they're saying 8K, like <laughs> potential for like, like you know video playback and stuff on the new systems and all, but like... I mean, that's just overkill. I mean, no one's going to use that kind of power... I mean, if you can make it run that like in that resolution, fine. But like at some a certain point, you're like, well, the textures don't even support that. I mean, let's let's be honest. 1080p in general, even on large TVs, is good enough. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but I think. I mean, like even a, I think dynamic high resolution is good enough most of the time. I mean, anything that really does run it. I mean, 2K is good. Like, two, you know, stuff that runs at 2K is pretty good. 4K is obviously ideal, but like, if I'd I'd rather have a smooth frame rate than a high resolution. Oh sure, yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to go back to kind of like you know sub 2K stuff when you're used to it, but I, it's not a make or break for me. Yeah. I'd much rather you get the HDR right. Yep, that's way more important to me than resolution HDR. Yeah. And uh, and soon we'll be talking, saying the same thing about ray tracing. Like get yeah. the ray tracing right, and that's what will make it look next. <laughs> You're probably right. But I've been, yeah, I'm, I've, made, I've played like the first like three three levels of this, like the you know the beginning and the and the hotel and and it's it's, I mean it's still was it holding more, your interest more or less? But I've already <laughs> played it. I actually got like almost I got a thousand out of a thousand almost on this because there were some broken co-op achievements, so I didn't get everything because they were you literally couldn't get all the achievements. Um, so I did play this a lot back in the day, and like going through this again was just like, yeah, I remember all this. Yeah. Uh, the main things, like you know, it, it is the probably the best simulation of ghost busting action ever. I mean, you're using the beam and you're trapping the ghosts and you're slamming them in the trap. It's cool. The co-op is cool. I haven't played the co-op on this, but I remember liking the co-op a lot because it was the closest thing to Ghostbusters you're ever going to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the terrain and environment destruction is very impressive, especially for considering last gen. Last gen was impressive too because you were, you, I mean, you're. When you're hitting stuff with the beam, you're, everything's blowing up. Pages of books are flying around. Like stuff's yeah. getting burned. Like things are falling over all over the place. Like the the, it the environmental. It almost seems like it destru- should have had more respect back when it first came yeah, out. Yeah, the environmental yeah. destruction is. Re- you can see here that the the cutscenes look real primitive, just because they're pre-rendered and there's nothing you can do about it. They don't um, shrink them down like that, though. No, that was just because it's for a, the trailer. A TV ad. Yeah. That, that, no, because that's a TV ad that starts the game. Uh, okay. So it's, it's, you're supposed to be looking at that on a television gotcha, that the gotcha. security guards are watching, you know, like a security booth. So that's yep. why it's small. Um, How much s- is this? Uh, 40. 40. Uh, which is right on the – I mean, again, if you've played this before and you know you like it, like 
I mean, that's generally what these remasters cost. Pretty much. I mean, I mean that's mean, just what they're coming in I at. I promise you this will be half that in like a year. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't so, think it'll take I mean, that I, long. I wouldn't prioritize this yeah. to any real degree. Especially it's not gonna, right now. I would say, you know, the license will probably run out in two or three years and it'll go away again. Because um, it did go away on Steam yeah. at one point because yeah, they were working on this. Um, I think it has been re-added to Steam now that this came out, which is basically, I mean, it's basically the same thing. Like, yeah. like the, the remasters on consoles are basically the PC version. Right. It'll look the same. Because you can run it at whatever resolution yeah. you want it. Yeah. Um, if you've never played it, I don't know if I'd say pay, pay 40 bucks for it unless yeah. you're a super huge Ghostbusters fan. But if you're a super huge Ghostbusters fan, why haven't you played this? And how many like, are there at this point, especially after the last film? Well, I mean, I don't think the last film ruins every, anyone's opinion of the original movie or the no, cartoon. But I think um, most of the younger players never have never even watched the original film. Somewhat. Well, here's also here's the thing. Here's another reason I like the 2016 movie better than a lot of people is that uh, two rows ahead of me was his family with this little girl who was like, I don't know, 10, yeah. 8, 9 or 10. Um close to the age I was when I saw the first movie and like over the course of the movie I watched this girl fall in love with Ghost- the Ghostbusters oh like, she loved it by the end of the movie she was like singing along with a theme song and like shooting people oh, it's like with- the best movie theme song ever maybe. oh yeah Shoot- <laughs> shooting along shooting like things with a proton pack as she was leaving the theater with her parents I watched a kid that's fall cool. I watched a kid become a Ghostbuster over the course of that. I'm like that's great yeah like, so if, you know, one way or the other the concept of the Ghostbuster idea is gonna hook you you know, yeah. it's, it's a great idea. It's yeah, a great it is, like yeah. the idea of reducing paranormal investigation to basically exterminators. <laughs> also, there's a there's <laughs> it's pretty a, brilliant. There's a big appeal to the fact that these guys beat these crazy, arcane, religious, weird, Demons, supernatural yeah. things with science. Yeah, there's, there's no you know almost any other. Um, almost any other movie like Ghostbusters, like they beat them at the end by finding some artifact they needed, or finding or some, some like, incantation magic spell that would like or, yeah. <laughs> weaken Gozer enough for them to hit her with right. the beams. Or, but yeah. no, they just use their science just shit, machine, they yeah. science religion out of existence. <laughs> by by doing what you're not supposed to do, they cross the streams and do the thing. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I think that's great. You know, and there's also you know, there's also the people that see it as a very Reagan esque movie. It's it's uh, you know, it's it's. The EPA is the bad guy. Right. Uh, it's about a small biz- small business owners trying to strike out in a new direction and defying all forms of regulation. It is absolutely the deregulatory '80s, right? You know, uh, business comedy. Like it's 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 got as much in common with Nine to Five as it does with like Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark. Um, it's fascinating. You know, it's a fascinating film. There's almost nothing else like it. Like the still, if you took, and it's also great because it's one of the most perfect blends of horror and comedy. If you took, yeah. if you took the comedy aspect out of that, you still left with a pretty, a pretty good decent horror Lovecraft. Movie. It's yeah. Lovecraftian, like the idea that this lurking horror is underneath New York and triggered by architecture from a crazy cult leader from a hundred years ago. <laughs> like that's a really good horror premise. Yeah, yeah. And then like if you take the horror out and you just make it a bunch of goofballs trying to make a, a, a exterminating business, but they're exterminating ghosts instead of termites. That's a very funny idea. It is. So yeah. it all just works together. There's no weak point in there. It's yep. great. The it other appeals thing, to a wide. Oh, and and another thing people. you can think about ghost think about on ghost the original Ghostbusters movie. There are no character arcs in the, in that movie. No character changes. No one learns anything, and no one no one's different by the end of that movie. No one. Everyone starts where they end. Huh. Like it's one of the only great movies I can think of where none of the characters have developed. any kind of development or journey. <laughs> they are all who they are at the end. It's the same as they were at the beginning. Even though, like you know, Venkman gets the girl, gets Sigourney. That's Weaver, what I was thinking about. But yeah. he's still the same dude. He is. Yeah. Like, he nothing doesn't, changes. He doesn't change to get her. Yeah. She comes around to his Him, point of view because yeah. he turned out to be right. That well, there I guess were she after. changes a little. She bit. changes, but she's yeah. not the protagonist. Right, the protagonist right. never changes. Interesting. It is one of the only examples of that in cinema. 
in which the movie is still good. Normally, that's death for a story. Yeah. But Ghostbusters works. Yeah. So 40 bucks too much for the game, though. Too much for the game, I yeah. would say. And I uh, think even maybe by Black maybe Friday, I, there might be a discount. I would not be surprised. Especially yeah. if they – did they do physical versions of this? Did they do yeah, physical? yeah. I wouldn't surprise me if you saw – yeah, this would be a good – This like, is the exact game that you get for half price on Black for Friday. For sure. Or, like, put it as, as your, like, third get one free thing yeah, or which something. is coming in, like, six weeks. So, yeah. yeah. Maybe so, hold on until then. Yeah, so I, I would I would definitely say also because like you're in the middle of Q4 here, like there's big games coming out. This thing's not going anywhere. There's no like rush to get to it. You know, it'll keep. Yep. You wait. You waited a light year. Another minute won't matter. Yeah. Just, just wait till the price drops if you're interested in play it that way. And hell, maybe by then they'll fix the freaking color balance on the white on the <laughs> Xbox version. So there you go, Bo- Ghostbusters the game. Remastered, and that's available for everything, isn't it? Uh, Except Switch, maybe. I don't think it's on Switch. Yeah, it's on PC, PS4, Xbox. PlayStation, Xbox, and then I think the PC version is just back on Steam. Right. They just put it back yeah. up because <laughs> it was gone for a while. <laughs> right. And then they announced yeah, the this, yeah, and it came back. So okay, all right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about Halo Infinite. Halo Infinite is, to me the most high-profile game that right now is in the highest state of danger. How do you feel about that? I don't know. You mean because like people keep leaving? Like the two lead developers have left in the last six weeks. Well, clearly their work was done. <laughs> I don't know about that. So about a month and a half ago, uh, the creative director, Tim Longo, left. Mm-hmm. And people were like freaking out. I think we talked about it briefly on yeah, Game we Face. Yeah, I definitely mentioned that. Um and we were like, wait a minute, why would the creative director leave right as the game is going into crunch? I mean, if, if the game is really coming out a year from now, it's feature complete by now. They know what's going to be in the game, and they're polishing it up, and they're getting it ready mm-hmm. to release. Well, we don't need anyone creative after that. So. You Actually, I would argue that's when you need creative people the most because that's when you need to figure out what's going to stay, what's going to go, and why something should stay or should go. I, I would argue that's where... A creative person really has is to. Is that put what a creative director does, though? In the later stages of de- development, yeah. Initially, he comes up with the concepts and the ideas. If they hit roadblocks, he comes up with creative ways around those roadblocks. At the end of development, that's when the creative director, his role is basically like, okay, they're saying this isn't feasible technically, or it's bloated, or we're getting feedback that this isn't working. How do we fix it to make it work, or do we just cut it all together? That's generally what they do in the latter stages of development for a game. So he left six weeks ago. In his place, a woman named Mary Olson took his position. And just a couple days ago, she left to go work at an indie studio. Mary Olson? That's not the woman who, like, was one of the top dogs at 343, was it? Yeah. Was she like the one that's out on stage all the time? No, not Kiki Wolfkill. No. Not that's... no, not Kiki. It was someone else. It was it was another woman who was like one of the top leaders of three four three. I mean, she has to be because she was promoted to that position after Tim Longo mm-hmm. left. So yeah, I mean she had to be high up in the hierarchy already, or she wouldn't have moved into that position in the first place. Yeah, executive she was executive producer, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. she left three four three right before crunch to go work at an indie studio interesting yeah uh what do you think's going on over there matt i don't know 
I mean, I know they've put out things that basically say, no, everything's fine. I have the statements but, here from But they're going to say that no matter what. So the community manager for 343 and Halo Infinite went on Reddit because people were losing their minds. They're like, what's going on? Like, this game is a year out. First of all, can you think of a game this high profile, this big budget, where you're less than a year away from its release and you still have not seen any gameplay? Anthem? Yeah. And even the stuff that they had shown was, like, mm-hmm. fake. You also, you also had departures. It was fake. You had departures. And you had departures. Way. Right. This is what I'm saying. I keep thinking about, I mean, every time these things come out for Halo Infinite, I think about Anthem. Are the red flags I'm, I'm going so, up at Sorry, this point? Halo. I got, Are the alarms going off now? I mean, I don't I don't think we're going to know until we get it in our hands, but, like, it. there's a pattern there. Like yeah. It's concerning. So here's the statement. That, You'd think uh, that, like, Halo would be simpler to deal with in that regard than, like, a brand new take on yeah. kind of the Bioware formula. Yeah. But, like... Yeah, what's going on? I mean, you got to also realize this studio, this is the third Halo this studio's made. Right. It's not like the Coalition was with Gears of War, where it's only on, like, its second one. This is its third Halo game that it's made. This is a statement uh, that came out from 343 from its community manager. Uh, Tim's role as creative director was to help make creative decisions around the design and direction of the game, whether it was campaign, multiplayer, etc. Mary's role as an executive producer and then lead producer, taking over Tim's role on campaign was to help drive the game to its completion for our holiday 2020 release date with the latter specifically focusing on campaign deliverables. This is exactly what I'm saying. Producers at our studio support designers, engineers, artists, etc. by helping each of them track and hit deliverables. They also ensure the people they support are not overwhelmed with too much work and have all the tools and information needed to hit their deadlines. Management. That's what management does. I mean, I'll admit, I I can barely play Halo for two weeks. I can't imagine we'll be able to work oh, on it for four years. Oh, my God. Uh, to put it simply, producers are the ones tasked with making sure the studio is always moving forward. Even our community team has a producer to ensure we're tracking our deliverables, blogs, social media posts, uh, flighting emails, and whatever pops up in between. I, I don't understand how that's supposed to waylay people's concerns that this project may be flying off the rails. He just basically explained, yeah... The people who are responsible for keeping the project on track just left. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it'd be that hard to find someone else in there who can, you know, keep the same project on track. It's not like it's a singular creative vision, but like, you know, and other other games that turned out really well did have also like, you know, problematic uh, development cycles. God of War had its own problems, um, but like, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn went through a lot of weird iterations. I think as well. That's our next thing. But yeah, it's weird that they can't get what should be like. A They're coming down the thing. home stretch. This should be the point where everybody's like, "All right, like we've got it all feature complete. Let's just polish the sucker up and get it out." Well, like there's, there's, the last year of development is not just anything. Like that is the hellscape. Um, I mean, so it's crunch. You're getting out. That, that so they're point. bailing before the really crappy parts come, but also the really rewarding parts. I don't know if you'd say that. I mean, unless you're, unless you're getting equity, but. Uh, I don't know. I don't, see, I don't really think it says anything one, anything one way or the other because we've had we've had games where stuff like this happened and they turned out to be disasters. We have games where stuff like this happened and they turned out to be fine. Like, the two lead designers leave a year before launch. Can you think of another game that that happened with? I think you're overestimating the importance of the lead designer when you're this far along. Uh, my concern is uh, more along the lines of like three four three's output being really sporadic and it seems like they can't get anything done like how long has halo reach supposed to be coming to the the master chief collection on pc or whatever and they're still doing testing on it like 
you know, they're supposed to be out like by the end of summer and are still in the middle of testing and they still don't know when the PC version is going to be out because they said that some, they hit some roadblock that they can't figure out so that's in, in, indefinitely delayed. They're they're still slowly putting out test flights of uh, of the Xbox version. It's like, what is going on? Like, I mean, I'll tell you why I, why I care about this and why I think it, it matters that these two people left. It's because they've put out two Halo games that I didn't like already. Well, yeah, I don't disagree with that. Like, and so to me... When you, but weren't when those leadership, people on those? I'm not sure. But to me, when leadership leaves, then the project is left to the hive mind. And so to me, once they leave, then it's guaranteed that the people who made the last two games are going to have a much bigger say in how Halo Infinite ultimately comes out. Well, I mean, my problem with the last two Halos is mostly the writing and the storytelling. Of the, the design's campaigns. crap too, though. Yeah, but if the design is already crap, they're not gonna. That's not gonna get fixed. And if I, I don't know if you could actually crapify a good design that fast without rewriting huge chunks of code. It's the cuts, though. There's gonna be cuts made in the next ten months when they finish this game. They're gonna cut parts out of the campaign. They're gonna cut weapons and other things out of the multiplayer. Well, I wish they cut more out of Halo Five. They're gonna cut modes. But what I'm saying is, you need a steady hand when you're doing that. To me, that's the difference between a a, a good game and a great game, like a, a really high-scoring game or a Game of the Year candidate. And to me, that's my expectations of Halo. Every Halo that comes out should be considered for Game of the Year. Like, it should be good enough that we consider it for Game of the Year. And that's not what's happened with the last two entries in this franchise. They were an afterthought in our Game of the Year discussion. In fact, I don't even know if they were an afterthought. Like, they, were, they weren't no, discussed was... during our Game of the Year discussions at no. all. And yeah. you go back to Halo 3, Halo 2, Halo 1... I mean, they in were reach. in reach. I mean, they were always a part of that discussion. And mm -hmm. so I'm seeing this franchise, to me, fly off the rails, go in a direction that I don't care about, and it needs a shepherd to get it to where it needs to go. And when you lose that shepherd and suddenly the flock is controlling everything, to me, that's when people start making the easy cuts because they're the ones who have to do it. Well, I'm not worried about cuts. I'm not worried about that aspect. What Halo Infinite is already good or bad right now. You think? It's done. Like I, I don't agree with that the, at all. The, um, at all. Absolutely is. Because, no, because the, no way. Because the reason Halo 4 and 5 were bad games and Halo 4 is the worst game in the series is because they were flawed from the script. Like I'm, I, mean, I don't care that much about, is, about the script as much as you do. The, I'm only here for the campaign. I don't care about the multiplayer at all. See, um, I do. I don't. And I'm, here's the thing. I'll say this what about you're, Halo. What you're describing doesn't make sense to me in terms of being worried about that because everything they're talking about in that statement, these people were in charge of the campaign, not the multiplayer. No, that no, that's not true. The one thing he he said he was he was in charge of everything. Tim's role. But they talk about Mary's thing. They're talking about being campaign focused. But she took his role. Mm -hmm. His role was to make creative decisions around the design and direction of the game, whether it was campaign, multiplayer, etc. And then she took his job. And then left. And then left. Well, the <laughs> multiplayer on this might not be too great. <laughs> or the campaign may not be great. Um. I think these are absolute would, uh, red flags. Like, would why would you not shocked. want to be there until a Halo game you worked on ships? Like, what would it take? Say you were on the team. What would it take? Like, if I had worked three or four years on Halo Infinite, and I can't even... They'd have to fire me for me to leave that team before the game came out. They'd only have to fire me if there was equity involved. If, if I could skip the year of Hell Crunch... <laughs> that I was going to get nothing for except like 90 hour weeks and maybe some overtime and a bonus if I'm lucky 
at, you know, at her level, I would imagine you were. Oh, she's going to get. Territory. Oh, yeah, she's getting residual. But you're off, sure. you're offered a, a a position at an independent studio with people you like to make a game that you were more interested in. It wasn't a giant corporate project. I could see doing that. I mean, the way things have been lately, developers who bail in the middle of projects don't even end up in the credits. And if you're right. Um, and if Rockstar's you, notorious for that. Yeah, well, Rockstar's their own thing for that. I don't, I don't know if three four three runs that way. There's, like, it's not just Rockstar though. There's a lot of studios that have been doing this. But like, you know, if you are right, the other thing about that is if it is bad and they know that and they see that coming down the pike, why do you want to be in the line of fire when people find out? Yeah, that's a good point. There's no, there's no upside. They're going to come at you, yeah, <laughs> because you are the lead developer. And this, at least in this situation, you're like if everybody ends up hating Halo Infinite a year from now, you're going to be like, oh, I left last year. Don't bother me. Like I'm done. You, but it, on the same, on the other side of that coin, though, you could be the person responsible for reviving Halo. Yeah, but that's a big deal. I mean, you could basically just write your own. Big deal? You it's could like, basically sign your own salary checks for the rest of your career if you did that. I don't know if that's true. I mean, that may not be what she's into. She may not care about money, and she may just care about, you know, creative pursuits or whatever. Also, if you're an executive at a Microsoft-held company, you're probably fine. Oh, yeah. You're probably fine to go do whatever the hell you You could probably work there for three years and be fine when you talk to most people in America as far as how much money you make. At that level. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I, I definitely don't automatically jump to oh the project's in trouble just because people are leaving for other opportunities if you, if you saw these people quitting for nothing they're like oh i don't know what i'm gonna do I next don't, i don't think uh, tim left for anything well, i don't know left. what happened to him yeah um but, at least she moved on to something else but like you know if you if you got this opportunity you got to take uh and it's what you want to do more than making a giant corporate product like i understand like you know the, the, this then game, you don't sign up for it but like that's what your job is, and like if you found another op- you know this op- whatever this indie thing came up with, and that's what you wanted to do, and like you can't pass it up until Halo's done. You gotta take it now. Like I get it. Yeah. Um, you know her departure doesn't. I don't think is nearly as worrisome as his. Um, I don't know what he's doing now. Well, I think it. Better. I think her. He might have... just been burned out. I can't imagine this has been a fun project no. for anybody trying to make Halo good again. I I think honestly her departure just makes his departure worse because that to mm. me it, it shows that he left. Someone came into the role and was like, oh, no. <laughs> now I see why he left. I'm out of here. Like, I don't think it bodes well in any way, shape, or I mean, or it's form. unusual to leave that fast after a promotion. But, again, we don't know what yeah. her what she wants to do, what That's her true. thing, what, what this company she went for You would have thought, was. though, just six weeks ago, whenever they were like, hey, we want to promote you into his role, mm-hmm. if, she, if this was something that she really wanted to do, she would have known six weeks ago that it was something she wanted to do. Yeah, you don't know. And that. would have turned like, down the job. You don't know that. Like things and like, been like, hey. Stuff, you know better than almost anyone, business happens on a dime. Yeah. Like things hap- things come up like that. Opportunities arise in a day. Yeah. And true. they go away 48 hours later. Yeah. Like, you know, if that was something she really wanted to do or people she really wanted to work with, like that, that's all you need, yeah. frankly. Because in the end, no matter how high profile or how much money you make from some Halo project you're on, you're still just making this giant rumbling movable feast of a of a game that's a giant microsoft corporate product that like no one's ever going to remember your name attached to no i don't know about that unless you were one the of the industry will, will remember for sure hmm? the industry will remember yeah but like Other if, you're, if this job she left for is what she wanted to do there's no value in that that's true yeah so and if she's made her money already and doesn't care about making more then so yeah and also, if she was going from executive to another high-level thing in an indie company, she might even have more equity in whatever they release, which would be better for her financially. Yeah. 
You don't know. We don't know the details of that situation. So I, my, my, my concern about Halo Infinite is entirely rooted in the last two games I played. That, like, that, I, is, I, that is being made by 343. Yeah. <laughs> like 343 four, three has not made a good Halo game yet. No, you're right. So, uh, they don't They don't have any cachet with me at all. Technically, they're sound. Their games look good. They mm-hmm. run well. So their tech teams and they've skilled. S- they've still got some ta- they've got talented people there. They've still got Frank. Yeah. Uh, they could maybe bring back Marty. Um, I think there are rumblings are that there? they might. Yeah. Like, that would help. At least for me, it would help a lot. I think it would help for a lot of people. Like, like nothing gets me right in the Halo mood than Marty's music on a title screen. Yeah. I just recorded an episode of Ash Ain't Anything that, where I talk about Marty for so, uh, at length. So... I mean, I'd like it to be good, like, but I don't have a lot of faith in Halo anymore. I feel like Halo ended with three, and Reach was good. I liked Reach. Yeah. Um, you know, Reach was a good, is a prequel. Told a good, told a good story. It looks cool. Still looks good today. Like it even does, the remaster yeah. stuff they've shown, like it, that, the art style of Reach really translates to like a, the remaster very well. Yeah. Um, but like, I feel like I feel like Halo one through three, and then kind of the epilogue of of ODST and Reach, like that's Halo to me. Um, taking the Master Chief story further than that has been proven so far to be a mistake. Should they kill him off? Who cares? Yeah. I feel like he's already been killed off and just I don't think you can kill him off because he's too iconic. <laughs> so you can't kill Mario off either. Yeah. You can't, I mean, you can't do that. Like, it's... The thing is, like, you should probably just stop making Halo games. Yeah. You just that is definitely not, not going to happen. You, when you have a company named after the series you're making, you're probably not going to pivot. Here's that. what they should really do is that they, they should purchase Bungie and let Bungie make Halo and whatever else it wants to make, and then let 343 work on new IP because they are skilled. Well, what they should do They're is... They're just not good at making Halo. Purchase Bungie, and then Halo Infinite is also Destiny 3. You mean they cross Destiny, the two Destiny, universes the, the together? The rips open a rift <laughs> in, in the multiverse, and the Destiny universe invades Halo. Yeah. And then, like, you can have Cortana be like, everyone's got a really basic single name with a definite article before it. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) The Tower. The Fallen. It's the most unimaginative naming system we've ever had. At least we call ourselves after mythological figures. Yeah. (laughs) That's not a terrible idea, honestly. It would generate a lot of hype. But I feel like... Destiny has invaded Halo and they've brought microtransactions with them. That's how you get the game as a service in there. I do feel like hardcore fans of each property would probably be pissed. And people like I us who are kind of, like, ambivalent to both of them would be like, yeah, let's do it. I think it. the Halo fans would be more pissed yeah, than Destiny fans. definitely. Destiny Absolutely. fans would be like, yay, we survive another day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the Halo fans are like, you got your chocolate and my peanut butter. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, there you go. Halo Infinite definitely treading on some unsteady water, I, I would say. It's it's a very weird scenario for this this game that feels like it should be a pretty solid slam dunk. And the fact that we haven't seen it yet to me exacerbates the situation. Yeah, I mean, my guess is not. I don't, I'm not that worried about that because I feel like we're not seeing it clearly. Probably because they're holding it for when they show the, the hardware. Yeah, um, it's going to be their flagship thing. I mean, God, yeah. at least they're showing us Halo instead of another freaking Forza game Good to point. show off the hardware. Fair enough. I'll take that any day. Yeah, for sure. But um, in terms of getting that series back on the rails narratively, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, multiplayer, I, d- I don't have a real opinion on it. I, they're all kind of the same to me at this point. But. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still assuming infinite. Is what happens be if it. another person leaves the team? Another prominent person leaves the team? Would that start to 
change your mind a little bit? Not really. No. Like I, I don't think personnel shifts are all that meaningful when it comes to something as large as that kind of development. When That's de- that late into when your development is, team is is in the hundreds of people, and you're talking about like something that's only a year out, and they've been working on for what like six years now. Like that project is pretty much set in stone. And yeah. you're, just, you're polishing, and yeah, you're making some cut decisions here and there, but for the most part, that thing's. The, the, it's an it's like the, the Titanic is, yeah, headed towards the, the iceberg. Yeah, the Jello mold. You is can sad. only turn it so much. Yeah, you, you can't. If it's if it's if Halo Infinite's gonna be bad, it's already bad. Yeah. Could this make it worse? Sure, but like, I don't think you're talking about something where it's like you had. Uh, you know, we're not talking about the Snyder cut here. You know, that was that was that was also a, a fiction. Like, Justice League was always going to be bad. Yeah. And you either had the bad Snyder version or you had the bad Joss Whedon version. It didn't matter who was steering that ship. Yeah. And if Halo Infinite's going to be bad, it's already there. It's just a matter of how is it going to be bad. Maybe it'll find a new way. Is it going to be polished to a fine sheen bad? Or is it going to be like, oh, my God, no one was at the st- on the st- on, in the steering wheel cabin. I don't I don't know what the steer- – the steering wheel cabin. That's, that's a thing. <laughs> My God, no one was steering the bridge. for the last year. The bridge, and they, I think. They, they just sort of augured this baby in <laughs> and hoped everybody bought it because it said Halo and it was, a, it was a console launch title. I mean, they've so. been doing that the last two entries, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Look, man, just don't p- make me fight the fucking Prometheans again. Yeah. You're already halfway there. I have a feeling you're going to be fighting the Prometheans. I know. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be something. There's got to be a better way to reinvent those characters, so those enemies, so they're not just a slog to fight. I mean, at least don't make me fight that same boss three times. Don't like make me five. fight the dogs again. I hated the, the dogs. dogs. Are bad. Like, it's annoying. all bad. It's all, bad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's move on to something good. At least I think it's going to be good. Uh, this week, one of the developers from Guerrilla Games, the developers behind Killzone and Horizon Zero Dawn was at a mocap studio, also a trailer house, famous for making some of the biggest and most expensive video game trailers in the world, and he was there to work. Mm -hmm. He tweeted it. People are freaking out. They're like, okay, they're working on a trailer for a Guerrilla Games game. What could that game be other than Horizon Zero Dawn 2? Well, it could also be Killzone, but (laughs) let's hope it's Horizon Zero Dawn. I, I, I I feel like Killzone's done. With any luck. <laughs> that is a franchise that just never resonated with me, ever. Yeah. And I know a lot of people liked the PS3 one. What was it? Killzone 3? Was it just 3? No. Killzone 3 was the PS3, like, bullshot thing. Yeah. The uh, Killzone Shadowfall or whatever was the was what it PS- ended up- PS4 launch title. Right, right. Yeah. And then there was a PSP one. That's right. I totally forgot and, and there was a kill zone at the beginning of this gen. Yeah. I complete, but it, it looked you can get it good. For like, you can get it for like three bucks on sales now. Yeah, and it looked good, but like I mean, that's kill zone in a nutshell. Looks good, doesn't play great. No, that's pretty much what I'd say. Although about I that did franchise. always like the weird little chirp noise it makes when you headshot somebody. Yeah, again, those little signifiers little that make it feel satisfying. Uh, so I, I think the. The smart money is on Horizon Zero Dawn two. Yeah, I mean, I would, the strike while the iron's hot money. I would hope that they've they've stopped forcing Horizon uh, forcing Guerrilla Games to make the Killzone games. I, I mean, I don't even know if that's true. Like, I I think Guerrilla really thought that those games were great. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Shadowfall was was that even what was called Shadowfall. It was, yeah. But, uh, it was bad. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's especially because you see, saw interviews about her, when Horizon came out. They're basically like, we've had this idea for like five years, and, and like, finally, we finally got to make the game we wanted to make. Like, 
they were the kill zone studio i think for at least a little bit against their will for a while there um but i mean I, you know horizon horizon was my game of the year the year it came out like, mine as well it's, it's great uh i will gladly take more horizon um it'd be great it'd be nice to see it through i mean it seems like a pretty good thing to start the playstation 5's life off with you know in the first year or two that'd be that'd be nice do you think that's what's going to happen you think yeah. it's going to be a launch game? If you're working on trailers to show it now, I, th- I don't think it's going to be a launch game, but I think it might be out in the first year. It's been two years, I believe, since the last yeah. DLC launched for Horizon. I think so. Or like early 2018, late 2017. So you figure you have the engine. You've done all the heavy lifting already, building the universe, creating the characters. Same uh, engine as Death Stranding. Setting the plot. Yeah, same engine as Death Stranding. You have the engine already. I mean, it's really just execution at that point mm-hmm. you have a script you have to start and then you start executing on it and presumably you know I, I i always say like you know the the second game is usually better because they they've got the the bones of it down and right. they can put in all the ideas they had to cut from the first one yep and all i have to worry about is just getting it all in there and polishing it up maybe some facial expressions this time yeah um <laughs> it yeah. is kind of interesting looking back at this game now it still looks great though it's still yeah it's just everyone's a little blank, yep. and the lip syncing's a little iffy. That is one thing that across this generation has really improved. Mm-hmm. Although, I don't know, after playing Breakpoint, maybe not so much. Yeah, Breakpoint is, Breakpoint's a bit of a step back in that regard. But those faces are wooden, man. Look at that. Oh, that, that dude's had way too much Botox. I mean, all of them. Nose. I mean, even yeah. Aloy. Yeah, Aloy is... is better most of the time but like also like she's got a very you know uh ashley birch does has a very uh subdued performance for her yeah um because she's you know because she's ashley birch well no ashley birch <laughs> does, doesn't do subdued all that i mean i just know her personally and she's it this she is, is clo- not this is closer to her normal speaking voice yeah than yeah her, but like you know she's the clo- you know chloe in in life is strange is not like that uh, Tiny Tina, absolutely. Well, Tiny not Tina like is that. the opposite of her. Yeah, Tiny it's Tina like the just, antithesis of who yeah. she really is. Yeah, but like, and I like that choice for Aloy. I think it makes sense. She's she's been she's grown up as an outcast and as, as isolated. She doesn't really know what she's doing most of the time. Yeah. she's just chosen for this thing and she's kicked out of this world she knew forever. Now she has to go explore these places and these strange people that she's never encountered. Yeah, she has you know people skills are low. She's never really integrated very well. But, um, you know, and she gets better as the time goes on. And so I really enjoyed that part of her. But I really feel like there was more you could do with the faces in this game. The eyes. The eyes in this yeah. game are dead. I mean, you all, you even saw an improvement in that in the Frozen Wilds. Like the, oh, yeah. The characters yeah. in that were way, A, were more animated, and B, were more memorable for the most part. What are you looking for in the sequel to this game? We talked about Halo and how it's evolved over time. This is just the second, will be just the second mm-hmm. game for this. What are you looking for in the sequel other than better facial animation? More. Just more. Like a bigger game? I think this was pretty good size. Yeah. It was very <laughs> I'm like, big. this game was big. But, like, just, like, you know, more more places to explore, more, dy- you know, mecha dinosaurs to blow up. Uh, maybe some, I mean, this is, this is like, you go, oh, I want more weapon variety. There were, like, tons of different things you could do in this game. Like, there's a variety of, of traps in combat and, and... How did you feel about the trapping? Is that something you want to see them expand upon or pull back on for the sequel? Um, I would like to see them make it a little more necessary. Okay. Um, the thing was, I, I played the vanilla game, like the main game, like pretty much just with my bows and arrow. Like it wasn't until Frozen Wilds where I really felt like I had to start using the traps to give myself a, an, any, some kind of tactical advantage to survive a fight. 
Um, so I would like to see more of that. Because, yeah, I agree. Because I like, felt like I was sleepwalking through a lot of the I thought it game. was cool, but yeah. I hardly ever used it. Yeah, it was it was very rare that I felt like I needed to use the traps or, or prepare a battle zone. Right. And in Frozen Wilds, I did that all the time with with the, the grizzly bear uh, yeah. uh, monsters. Like, they were... Um, they were just too hard for me to, to take without some kind of like mitigating factor, and so I would sw- switch around between the various traps I, li- I preferred, like the you know the, the trap the trip tri- the trip wires and, and mines and stuff. It was something I used all the time in Frozen Wilds. I just didn't in the main game. So I'd like to see them focus more on on making you use those to survive. Um, I would like to see. I would like to make it make the have the combat because I think the combat is a very good system, but I would like to see it. Get it could just be better. a little bit more desperate, you know what I mean? Like make make it feel like you're more on the edge of survival more often. Kind of like fighting these things. How the Tomb Raider reboots have been a little bit, at least in tone. Maybe not in action, but in tone at least a little bit. But I just like I just want I, I, every once in a while. Usually when you're fighting the bigger guys like the Thunder Jaws or things like that, you'd have moments where you're like, okay, if I don't do this next thing right, it's gonna kill me. Yeah, like we're you know I'm screwed. And I just would like to see those moments, you know, be more, especially because the characters, in, you know, in lore, the characters talk about how dangerous these things are and how people don't leave villages. It's like, and you know, I, I know she's supposed to be really good at what she does, but she can't be that good. At right. it. You know, it's like, you, get, you, you know, a certain thing where it's just like, okay, at a certain point, I'm killing these things with like one shot to the face. I'm just like, why can't you people just shoot straight? Yeah. <laughs> like, what about what it that, that they added to the Frozen Wilds, which we're seeing right now? Would you hope that they do carry on other again, other than like something you mentioned earlier, into the full-on sequel? I just felt like the characters and the storylines in Frozen Wilds had a little more verve to them. Yeah, like, I thought they were more memorable characters. There's, you know, they they both went um, they they went a little uh deeper with the relationships between her and those and the characters she ran into. It wasn't just sort of sort of like meet quest giver, go through quest line, okay, bye. Uh, I felt like she developed a relationship with some of these characters, and also there were like weird, crazy people in it that, like, you know, were were more memorable and more interesting. Um, so I think uh, the main lesson I think Frozen Wilds brings to the table on this on this game was that you can go a little weirder, like you can go yeah. a little crazier, you, you can heighten it a little bit more, and it's not going to like ruin the the atmosphere and the tone. Are you um, surprised they didn't release more DLC for this game? It seemed like they just left money on the table to me. I'm not surprised. I I just I kind of wish they they had, but I feel like this was so successful that maybe they decided let's just start on the next one. Especially in hindsight now, because we haven't seen I mean, the Frozen Wilds is no no small. Expansion. No, it's not. But in hindsight, though, it's like you know we haven't seen anything else from Gorilla since then, so. Yeah, making a new game. They are, but I just, I don't know. It seemed like a missed opportunity. As a new IP, and you had so many people who were into it, it won Game of the Year awards. I feel like they could have done more with post-launch support to I don't agree with help that. build up that, that new IP. I don't agree with that. I think uh, it did fine. Uh, Frozen Wilds is a massive expansion. They got to re-release it with it as a kind of a, kind of a complete package thing. Whatever, yeah. Um, I didn't need more of this game. I thought it was fine. And uh, I'd rather have taken, you know, if they did have ideas for new DLC, I'd rather them take them and start working, you know, integrating them into the new game so the new game can get out in time for the new hardware, you know, in the, not launch, I don't think, but launch window. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I trust them to know how to, how to put those things together properly. Uh, it's, it's It was fine. Also, this game did come out, I think, before... Sony really established sort of the post-launch 
uh, support season stuff that like you see in things yeah. like Days Gone. Well, also, you know, I mean, it was before the industry did basically. Yeah. But also remember, I mean, Sony's not like super invested in that kind of thing. I mean, yeah. God of War had no DLC. Yeah, so, you're right. Yeah, uh, which I'm also fine with. If you just want to make a giant awesome game and give it to me from day one, yeah, it's fine. Um, so yeah, if that gets you the game out in a, in the kind of the PS5 launch window, awesome. When do you think we'll see it? Um, my guess is I, I have a distinct feeling we would see it at the end of, uh, 2021. As far as the game's release? Yeah. When do you think we'll see the trailer that they're working on right now? Uh, I think we will see that in the, if they, if they do some kind of direct, uh, you know, announcing like the, the lineup or showing kind of like, here's what the PS5 is going to do kind of thing. Like the real PlayStation 5 unveiling, basically. Yeah, something like that. Or maybe the Game Awards. Ah, World premiere. That would be that would bring the house down. It'd be quite a coup for Keely. <laughs> What's but Keely if, gonna do that? Like Death Stranding's out. <laughs> but if anybody can do it, it's him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if anyone could get it for for yeah, the show, anyone could get it for the show. It'd be he him. could absolutely do it. He's got to he's got to replace Death Stranding with something. He's been, yeah, he's got. I mean, I mean, you think about it. He's been writing that game for like three years. I mean, it's been a focal piece of everything he's done. Maybe it'll, it'll premiere the deal, the DLC. <laughs> he definitely will. If there is DLC, he will definitely debut it. There's no doubt about that. I tend to agree with you. I think when they show the PS5 for the first time, and I don't mean in these, hey, we're going to talk to Wired, and hey, yeah, we're going to talk to this other guy. The first big visual blow Where they show it for everyone. Yeah. yeah. I've, I think that'll be one of the big games for, yeah. and for I that. And I think if you're working on the trailer right now, that matches up with premiering something in December or January. Yep. Cross-platform as well. Uh, they won't want to piss off the people who bought PS4s and love the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be a showcase, I believe, for PlayStation 5. Yeah. So there you go. Horizon Zero Dawn 2. We shouldn't have to wait much longer to get a look at it. I mean, I'm guessing I don't think we see PlayStation 5 before the end of the year. I think the fact that they just gave us those nuggets last mm-hmm. week was basically them saying, okay, this is it for 2019. I My guess is sometime March ish mm-hmm. we get a look at ps5 i would also be interested in um because like the the self manufacture you know automated manufacturing of the monsters was such a key element of the game i would yeah. be interested to see uh an element of a sequel where um aloy kind of takes over like one of those facilities and like part of the game is sort of a shadow of war style like taking territory and building an army of these things and like having large large scale combat between like Interesting. Corrupted ones and your cor- control ones and sort of like, you know. That would be awesome. That kind of thing. Make um, it so. So that, that would be kind That's of a great like, idea. If you wanted to scale Maybe it you up, should be the creative director. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to move to England, though. Sneaky knowledge snake says no. If they no. could scale it up like that, like that would be interesting to me. I, I think it would be a great idea. Uh, it might piss off people. Especially because like, like forcing like Aloy to be like a leader is sort of an interesting way to push that character to develop. Yeah, because she has no it's interest not really in her it. thing. Yeah. yeah, she has no interest in it at all. But if you gotta, you gotta. Yep. Okay, let's move on. We're gonna talk next about Fortnite. I know that's got you guys excited. It got me really excited. Not really. Also, do you think that they're gonna call it Horizon Zero Dawn two, or they call it Horizon something else? Because Zero Dawn was so tied in with what you found out in the game. Probably itself. not. It'll be called like Horizon two. Horizon something. Sub colon blah blah blah. Yeah. Horizon Aloy's Revenge. Yeah, or it could be Horizon 2 Aloy's Revenge. Horizon's some other nonsensical two-word thing. Yeah, probably. All right, we're going to talk next about Fortnite. I don't think we've talked about Fortnite the game since it launched. 
We always talk about all the other stuff that happens. We never talk about the game. And that's because I played it when it came out. I got it. I understood it. And then I really had no interest in playing it again. Mm -hmm. But everybody was like, Fortnite Chapter 2 is coming. It's completely flipping the script on the game. And I felt like I was obligated. I had to play this to see... What are the big changes to, let's be honest, the biggest video game in the world? And the video game that drives the most revenue. The video game that went to a black hole loading screen and still had 115,000 more viewers on Twitch than Apex Legends. Right. <laughs> People were just staring at a basically a dead yeah. screen. Because they didn't want to miss anything. Yeah. Who knew when something was going to happen? That's insane. <laughs> That's audience loyalty. It, it really is. I mean, look, all my nephews love Fortnite. They all do the dances. They have Fortnite backpacks. They have Fortnite T-shirts. They have Fortnite bed sheets. Yeah, they it's no Lady Gaga, is it? <laughs> well, for the boys, it is kind of like Lady Gaga. Well, the girls love it too, but some, you, you saw you saw the oh. my my nieces. Out of like five of them, there's one that plays. Yeah, there's a lot of girls that age that like it. Yeah, it's, which uh, is great. That's they great. Don't, they to don't see. always admit on on the game that they are girls. Right. Well, well I, I, I don't blame them there. That's for sure. But, um, no, it's it's, a, it's big with both both sexes for sure. Look at the, look at the Fellowship of the Ring action there. Yeah. So um, so Matt, I played it. I played Fortnite. And you may, you live to tell the tale. I did. I'm here. I survived somehow. Uh, so we're gonna die! Yay! <laughs> So he, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All of us, but one of us is gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> uh, so here's the thing, Matt. So uh, have you played Fortnite since the first, since launch? Basically, I probably played it like a year ago, year and a half. Okay, ago. so not that long ago. Like season, mid season one, like some somewhere around like the fifth or sixth rotation or whatever. It was right after E3 last year. Okay, so the rub for me is I only played it when it launched, and I have not played it until now. Even when it was when Battle Royale? I did play the Battle Royale when it first came out. Because remember when it launched, it was it was, a, right. it was a co-op. So that's the last time I played it. Was when they game. Right, when they launched Battle Royale, that was the last time that I played it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I jumped in for Chapter 2. And everyone's saying it completely flips the script. It's going to do everything differently. But the problem for me was... I wasn't along for the trip. I wasn't in the car when it got off the wrong exit or when it got stuck in the mud on the side of the road. So you're not the, the differences are not as apparent. There are no differences because what they did is that they wiped all that stuff out. They got rid of all the crazy, goofy stuff that it had kind of evolved or devolved, depending on your perspective, into. So. I start playing this and I'm like, what? Ha nothing has happened to this game in like four years. So I started like digging around online and basically they were like, the game had gotten out of control and it had become hard for new players to understand and get into. And so we're rolling everything back. We're getting rid of all this frivolous crap we've added to it. And we're just going to basically take it back to the core game again with some notable changes. Now, before... I get into the details on this. I just want to say that I had never, ever won a Battle Royale game. Ever. I've never won it in Fortnite. I've never won it in PUBG. I've never won a Battle Royale. I've never been the last person standing in a Battle Royale game. I know that may seem crazy, but it's the truth. My first... Neither have I, but I don't... 
I don't really play them that much. I don't either, but still, I play shooters a lot. So the probability of me doing it, I would hope, would be higher than for you doing it. I've gotten the top four before. Okay. I had like, never done it. I, I lived for five seconds against the people at that level. Because I, I was just, like, running through. I didn't know where I was, and I was just sort of, like, desperately staying ahead of the, the safe zone. Well. And then what? when I actually had to fight somebody, I died in milliseconds. You can see. Look up there. My level is one. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> my first... Match, I won. Well, because were you playing like with bots? No, because like there's bots now. No, I mean I, I maybe. Like that's one of the big changes is you can play with is like bots fill out the roster if you, I, there's not enough people. It would seem insane that like three days after the new season launches that they'd have to fill in my match with bots. Or are they not? Are they doing it because you're like you're level one? Do you start against bots to learn how the game plays? I don't know. But I finished first. You're going to make me play this, aren't you? So you can figure (laughs) out what the hell happened. So anyway, my first match, I win. And when I win, I get the rewards as if I had won a real match. So maybe I was playing against bots. I don't know. I don't know how you do know. If they make up names for the boss, how would you ever know? I don't know. Because all the names that I was killing, they all all seemed like real names. What was the game that we just talked about a week or two ago that was like, they although it was offline, it wasn't online, but like they had all these other players on it that like sounded like they were real like online names. They're saying, "Yeah, I won against bots." <laughs> Vincent is saying, "But now you face bots." Um, Mario Kart Tour. That's right. It was. Uh, oh, it was Mario Kart Tour. They, they, like fake, they have fake online names. Yeah, them. I'll say this: if they were bots, the names in this and it was very creative. <laughs> Because that's what I was looking at. Because you'd think bots would just be called, like, Epic, 5-8, blah, 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 or whatever. You wanted to be authentic. I, I mean, I guess they're randomly generating names You're, that seem see, right. See, now you've made me think of that old Penny Arcade, which was based on a real thing that happened where, uh, where I mean, Tycho's talking about it, but he's talking about how Gabe was playing Unreal Tournament with, like, these two guys all day and, like, and like congratulating them on wins and, and kills and saying, nice shot and stuff. And, like... None they of them were talk. all bots. There was two guys. They were both bots. I'm like, you don't. You, he's like, don't you think it's weird that you haven't like died in like four hours? And he's like, he's like, just. And he's, I'm like, and these guys haven't said anything the whole time. He's like, and he thought they were just shy. <laughs> well, okay, so maybe I did win the first one against bots. My second match, which was absolutely against human players, I know without a doubt, I finished second. So my first two matches, I finished first and second. So. I don't know what that says about the game. I don't know what that says about me. Maybe the changes were so drastic that, like, hardcore players were fish out of water. I don't know. I had a lo- What I'm saying is I had a lot of success playing this game, and I have played it hardly at all. Yeah, so, look at all this. Look at how they just keep rewarding you with random Oh, shit. yeah. It's so like here's the, the one of the new additions. Full play. Swimming. Mm. That is one of the new additions for Chapter 2. And Neat. there are boats. You can get in boats, and if you play... Like, the team-based modes, you can get in, like, boat battles with other players. Like, I just always played solo, and so, you know, I just swam for the most part. But that's one of the big changes in this game is that now there is water and there are boats. I will say this, too. Like, the people that I was playing as didn't act like bots. Like, I don't know. Like, they, they try to run away from me. Like, you can see right there. Well, in my If it was a bot, they just turn and just shoot at you. I think a human would turn and kill you. <laughs> like Maybe. That's, that's my experience is, like... No matter who I try to shoot in the back, that person has better aim than me when they turn. That's a bot right there. How do you know? Because they didn't even look at you. But I came from around the corner. 
Yeah, but they would have seen you first. Maybe. Anyway, I know the second one I finished second in was absolutely human players because in the, at the end of the game, it was me and the last guy standing, and he literally built like a skyscraper right in front of my face. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. He had built a skyscraper, and he killed like a bunch of other people on that. He jumped down off of it, and I was like, oh, I got him, and he just started building and just covered himself with a gigantic building, and I couldn't hit him. Faster than I could shoot the barricades to make them break up, he could build new ones. And I was like, what do I do? So I went and hid and, like, healed. And then he built a building and then jumped off of the roof of the building and brought death from above and killed me and won the match. I got to hand it to him. He's better than me. Like, he was able to build stuff on the fly, and I can't really do that that well. And that's why he won. So anyway, if their goal is to make it more accessible to – people who don't play are crappy players, basically who I was coming into this, then mission succeeded. I mean, I jumped right into this and was competitive right away. Now, I have a feeling some people who have been playing this all along are going to feel like the game is a bit empty. They're going to say, oh, well, you know, they've taken all this stuff away. It's a lot simpler now. And I would agree with them. It does seem very, very simple. So, like I said, water is a new feature. The boats are a new feature. Um, so what's gone? If like they, they had like things? all they had the mechs. Remember everything mm-hmm. that they've added have been controversial. They put crazy stuff in the game, like these weapons and the and mechs and things like that, and people would revolt and get pissed off and not like them. And they've taken basically all that controversial stuff out and kind of just hit the reset button for this. Um, money fishing. Yeah. First of all, I was pleasantly surprised to see that when I booted this up. So I originally played. The base Fortnite on PS4, back when it was just like a tower defense game. And then I played the Battle Royale on Xbox One. But when I went back to this to play it on PS4, I was I still had the Founders Edition. And I was still getting rewards for that. Like I got all kinds of like cosmetics and like I got like a glider because I was a founder. Like they're still rewarding people who bought the game when it was just a tower defense game, basically, which is cool. Like, I was like, wow, I'm getting stuff for a game that I paid for years ago. That's kind of cool. And new stuff for just this. So the way the money works, I did not spend a dime on this. I still had the Fortnite Fortnite from when I got it all those years ago, and I booted it up, and I was right into Chapter 2. Now, they have the uh, battle passes, which are not required to play the new content. So you don't have to buy the Battle Pass to play, and this is a brand new map, by the way. This is this map is all brand new. They had to put water on it because they brought the boats in and all that kind of stuff, so they had to build a brand new map, which they did. But I didn't have to pay anything to play the new map. I didn't have to pay anything to use any of the boats or any of the new features that they've added. Basically, the Battle Pass is there to... They give you more challenges. And one thing you said wow, they're like rewarding you all the time. That's because under the hood, there are all these challenges that you're trying to complete. And if you complete the challenges, then you can get V-Bucks, which is the currency of the game. Now, if you buy the Battle Pass, it gives you tons of more challenges to complete. So generally what Fortnite players do is they buy the Battle Pass once. And then if you buy the Battle Pass one time, if you play the game generally up to like level 50 during that period and this and this season ends on December 12th. So from today you would have until December 12th to get all the way through those challenges. If you do that, 
then you will generally earn enough V-Bucks to pay for the next season where you rinse and repeat. Now, there was one period, I believe it was between season two and three, where that didn't work. Where they didn't like allow people to earn enough of the V-Bucks to get the next season for free, but people complained, and it's been that way ever since. And if you buy the Battle Pass for Chapter 2, which is what just released, you have the ability to earn up to 1,500 V-Bucks. And to buy this season, you only had to spend 950 V-Bucks. So essentially, once you buy that Battle Pass, you've kind of put yourself on the train to getting all the Battle Passes for free going forward, provided you play the game still. And you have to play it pretty hardcore. Like a casual player who plays a couple matches a week is not going to earn enough V-Bucks to get the next season for free. But if you love the game and you think you're going to play, here it is. So here's the final duel between me and this guy. It's just me and him left. And he just goes building crazy. And I'm like, what do I do? I keep shooting the walls. As soon as they disappear, he just builds like another one. He, he was just, wait, look, he's just like, it's crazy watching him. I'm just standing there. I'm like, what do I even do? How do you beat this guy? How do you beat him? So instead, I'm like, okay, I'll go behind, hide behind this car and I'll heal and I'll think about it for a second, but I can't. Like, I heal and then he's like, oh, no, 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 I'm not letting you do that. And he comes out and he just kills me. Like, it's pretty impressive how good people are at this game. Look, he's building towards me to get, mm-hmm. to, get to me while still being covered. And I'm shooting the walls. I can't shoot him. And he just comes out and kills me. <laughs> but there you see. I play second place right there. So I, I think it's been made easier to be competitive. I think when they stripped away a lot of the extra stuff, it makes it easier for newcomers to at least be able to hang in the game. Uh, but the monetiz- monetization is totally fair. Like, I mean, I got all that. for. I'm playing it for free. And I don't really care about, like, new dance moves or cosmetics or a hat or clothes. I don't care about that. I just want to be able to play the game. So for me, you know, not buying the battle pass is not a big deal. And I have a feeling for most people that's going to be the case. So Mm -hmm. I guess what I would say to sum it up is Fortnite is almost exactly the same thing it was when I played it (laughs) years ago because I missed the whole ups and downs of all the changes they made and eventually they just decided to reset it and that's where I jumped back in. So... I guess I would say it's just nowhere near as complicated as maybe you perceive it to be at this point or maybe even assume it to be at this point because if you're really into games, you see how games evolve now. You see how when you buy it at launch, it's one thing and then how it just gets extrapolated out and permutations and combinations are put into the game until it just becomes something that's almost unrecognizable. Well, with what, what they've done with Fortnite is they've rolled everything back to make it recognizable to people like you and I who tried it out at first but didn't stick with it. So I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I guess, you know, they've lost 50% of their players over the last year, so maybe they're trying to make it more accessible so they can get people back in. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was able to jump in and play competitively pretty much right away as a total noob. So I think that's a good thing for Fortnite um, because at this point everybody knows what it is. But And people have decided based upon that whether they want to play it or not. But this kind of flips the script on that a little bit where people are like, okay, well, I thought it was this, but maybe it's not that anymore. It's something different. And it is. It is something different than what it has been for the last, like, two years. So will it save it from the free fall it's kind of in right now? I doubt it Hmm. because it still is very much the same game. It's still just a battle royale you against 99 other players and last man standing wins. Um, 
But I have a feeling if I had started playing this game and it had all this wacky stuff in it that I had to start Googling to, like, figure out how it works or what, like, the counter is for it, I probably would have just stopped playing. Mm -hmm. So from my perspective, where I am at with Fortnite, I think what Epic did was smart. Um, I just wonder if the hard hardcore fans are like bored now. They might be. They're like, this is this is what I played three years ago. Like, why? Well, I can swim now, and I get a boat. Who cares? Like, I had like these crazy other things before. I don't know. I'm not one of those people. But I had fun with it. I'm not going to stick with it. Part of it is it's Q4, and this is like the eye of the storm right now. It's a slow week. After this, it's over. Like, I have review code coming for Modern Warfare tomorrow morning. Um, I'm going to have. Uh, Luigi's Mansion 3 in the next couple days. So uh, it's to the point now where I don't have time for anything frivolous. Outer Worlds. Outer Worlds, yep. I mean, it's just pretty much from here on out. Mm-hmm. It's just bam, 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 bam. Uh, so I'm not going to go December, back to December, which is nothing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I, I do like Shenmue that I played 3. it, though. because Shenmue 3 is going to be out in a month. Yep. I do like it, though, that now when I go back for Christmas, I can talk to my nieces and nephews about Fortnite and know what I'm talking about. Instead of being like, I played it when it came out. Yeah, and I make sure to tell them that you won against bots. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they might be impressed with that. Who knows? I don't know how good they are. I don't know. I don't know if they would be. Do bots have the same stigma they used to back in the back in the I would assume. old days? I would assume so, yeah. I did get second against guaranteed human players. I'll take that. My last match ever of Fortnite, possibly. I got second. I'll take that. (laughs) All right. It's time to move on to our last topic for episode 186 of Game Face. We're going to talk about, I'm sure if you guys were on Sifted today, you saw it, the big media release, the big bow break for Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Did you check out any of the coverage today, Matt? No, I was uh, filling out other paperwork. Okay. Did you check out the gameplay that EA released today? No. Well, I, didn't, I didn't have time to see anything. Well, you're about to see it right now. <laughs> so they put out eight minutes of brand new footage today. And it wasn't just, here's eight minutes of us playing through a level. It was B-roll that EA gave up that represented like all kinds of different parts of the game. Um, there, are, there are three or four video previews curated at Sifted right now. Uh, we also curate, excuse me curated a text preview for those of you who can't watch a video maybe on your phone because of your data plan or whatever. Uh, but this game was just covered out the yin-yang today. And it was very it was a pleasant surprise to see, knowing that we had to uh, we had a show today. Um, generally, we have like our big stuff at the top, big stuff at the bottom. And we didn't have anything big for the end of the show. But now we do, thanks to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So you haven't followed any of the news or anything today? No. Wow. Well, there's, we have a lot to share with you, Matt Kyle. <laughs> Let me tell you. Uh, I guess the first thing I would say, because I'm discussing this with you, is that this game is way more like a Souls-like than anybody thought. Um, Except me, because <laughs> I knew it you, was a You Souls- were pretty much saying it all along. Yeah. But, Matt, like the music, it is literally like Dark Souls on mm-hmm. easy mode. That's pretty much what it is. With Well, we all wondered what that would be. We're so. right. Apparently and, it's a lightsaber. Yeah. But they all look, they also have like two really crazy hardcore difficulty mm-hmm. modes for people who want to play it like a souls like. Um, they said the normal um, the which is what most of the journalists played it on, it was it was not as hard as Souls or Bloodborne. But Matt, you're gonna freak out when I start telling you about all the stuff that they've they've stolen from those franchises. So there are resting places, like bonfires. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you rest there, you meditate there. 
Once you meditate there, just like the Souls games, all the enemies respawn. And that was probably the biggest universal complaint in all the previews today. Because they were their their perspective was it makes sense in Dark Souls because Dark Souls has this sense of mysticism and I don't know, kind of a, an element of the unknown. And Star Wars is more of a kind of cut and dried, either it happens or it doesn't happen kind of IP. And so people were like, wait a minute, like, where did these stormtroopers come from? You know, there's always more stormtroopers. Yeah, but where do they come from? It's like you sit down and Drop you meditate ship. and then all the. Right. But you can understand why they were a little perplexed by it. But anyway, that's one of the elements that has been brought over that, that uh, were in the previews today. Um, like Bloodborne. Once you die, you have to get everything back from an enemy. So the enemy that kills you suddenly holds all the XP and everything, and then you have to venture back to that enemy and kill it to get your stuff. It's not just sitting on the ground with, like, a a light orb over it or whatever. You have to earn your stuff back after you lose it. Um, One thing that's different in how they handle it, though, is you don't lose much health when you die. You lose just a speck of your health. Uh, whereas I believe in Dark Souls, doesn't your your full health bar go down every time you die? Uh, depends on which one. There's which some kind of a mechanic with some that. Some of though. them it, it halves it. Some of them you lose a little bit every time. It depends. In this one, you just lose like a pixel, basically. They said they could hardly even tell that they lost any health every time they died. Um, I imagine that might change if you're on higher difficulties. Yep. Uh, again, like the Souls franchise, you have to wear down the enemy's stamina before finishing them off. I mean, that was very clear. From yeah, the, I mean, you could tell that from the gameplay footage. Yeah. Are you freaking out over watching this footage, Matt, all this new stuff? No, I mean, this, it looks good. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't see this today. Uh, I was, yeah, you're I was fighting an ATSD. Busy. I was very busy today. Yeah, you must have been if you uh, missed this stuff. Because I, I couldn't wait to talk to you about it because I wanted to kind of get your insight. So anyway, I'm glad you're watching while I'm summarizing because I'm sure you're going to pick up on some stuff that I totally did not see. Um so as far as blocking and parries, you can block, like, blaster fire, but any big blunt force attack, you can't. You have to parry it. Mm-hmm. And, again, very much like Dark Souls. Um, and I assume if you parry the blasters, that's when you get the reflection back. Yep. Most, that's ex- reliably. Yep, that's how it works. Um, oh, he has the Kylo Ren stop the blaster bolt and fire it back thing. Yep. Um, so... There are light RPG elements in the game, and there's kind of two different ways that you progress. So you do get experience, and you do level up as you make your way through the game. And there are trees for that, that you use those points for. And there are three separate trees. There's one for survivability, there's one for lightsaber abilities, and there's one for force powers. And the trees are not crazy. Everybody, you want a dismemberment? You cut that thing in half. Yep, so that's another thing. Non-humans you can abuse, apparently, according to ESRB. That's it. Yep, so that's what was discovered through these previews. You can dismember animals. You cannot dismember humans. And that's how they get their T rating, Mm -hmm. basically. But, yeah, like you can – and it gets pretty graphic. Like you can chop off individual – My guess is a PC version will have a mod of some kind that people make to hack limbs off or something. And it's a little bit like Dead Space in that you can take off, like, specific limbs or you can just Mm -hmm. chop the monster completely in half. I mean, that's what tentacles are for, right? (laughs) For chopping, absolutely. Uh, So you have that progression where you, you level up and then you skill points on the trees. They said the trees are not that big. 
as far as like how deep they go. They said that you can expect to probably finish off the tree before you finish the campaign. Mm-hmm. And then the other way that you level up is Metroid. And that's the other game that this game is heavily influenced by. So the map in the game looks just like Metroid Prime's map. It's like a wireframe, 3D wireframe map. Yeah, I remember them saying like Metroid is a big Metroid Prime is a big influence at E3 and everybody just laughed at them. Well, it as it turns out they were not bullshitting. Um, so I would not expect Stig to bullshit. You know, that's true. So like Metroid, you get new abilities, and then you need to use those abilities to create new pathways to go to mm-hmm. new parts of the level. So those abilities that you need to use to open up the new doors, you do not get those through the skill tree. Those are given to you in the story missions. So the force push is the first one that you get, and it lets you force push through like wooden doors. and opens up like new pathways. You get the force push in the story. Like in a certain mm-hmm. cutscene, you are given the force push or whatever. It's not something that you can level up. And it makes sense because you have to gate the overall experience some way, somehow, some way. So my guess is that like there are a number of planets to go to, but they did say like you'll be returning. Yep. Because there'll be Yep, because there'll then, be places you can't get the first time. Exactly. Yeah. So there is some backtracking involved, and I think your mileage will vary on that depending on your perspective. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, some people may not be. As long as you send me to new places, that's fine. Yep. Yeah. There's there's tons of planets, and some of the most popular settings in Star Wars are included. I was pretty surprised by the list of environments that they've released already. <clears throat> oh, a sister. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, this was this is one of the highlights. The ATST battle and this big were, son of a bitch. Are, right. Are the highlights of kind of the footage that they put out. Is what they when I got the what email that? that was in the subject of the email. I can't tell what race that is, what alien species that is. I don't know. But you can see he there's a stamina bar above his head yeah. and then the health bar across the top. So um what else? Oh you can Matt, you're gonna love this. You can scan shit. Ah, finally. <laughs> Matt, finally the Star Wars game I've waited for. Matt, this is the video game you've been waiting your entire life for. Think about it, Matt. If I can change that lightsaber to green, we might have something. Right. That You'll be able to pay a dollar for that, is my guess. <laughs> <laughs> but think about it, Matt. It is Dark Souls slash Bloodborne mixed with Metroid Prime yeah. and scanning. It is this game. Metroid Prime without scanning. It's it is the game that is made for you. Like this should just yeah. be called like Matt Kyle Star Wars colon Matt Kyle. Yeah. I mean, I was watching this stuff and I'm like, Matt is going to lose his shit when he finds out about this. I mean, this is sort of what I thought it was gonna be. No, like, you're right. You were kind of pre- predicting it all along, but now you know it yeah. is absolutely your dream video game. Even for I, me, like I don't think I'm going to be disappointed by this. Also it's, for me, because I want I've wanted to play a Dark Souls like game that mm-hmm. isn't just ridiculously punishing to the player, and I'm getting it. Like I, I'm really excited for this game. I I feel like its cachet has really fallen since they showed that first gameplay demo. But the more I see of it, the more I'm interested in it. The more I want it. Like th- to me, this looks like. A game of the year candidate, just like we thought it was going to be when we first yeah. heard about it. I mean, if if what they show and what they say it does is uh, you know executes well, I think it absolutely is game of the year candidate. The other thing too is that the they were told that the game is gigantic, mm-hmm. that it is like massive, like big is like the latest God of War big. Um, 
The one caveat I have and one surprise that I have is how much there is traversal and puzzle solving. So there's a little bit of Zelda in it too. Mm-hmm. As far as like there's some like like dungeon like puzzle solving stuff where you're pushing blocks and rolling boulders. Got to have those ancient Sith secrets. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I like that. I mean, to me that's like the old God of War kind of creeping into I mean, there was some some of that in the new God of War. Yeah, a little bit. There's, you you moved a few things around, and there was like three of them, I think, in the whole well, like. If you did everything, if you did everything, there was a fair. There was more. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. Like, I didn't. 100%. Most of it was optional. Yeah, I didn't hundred percent. I would imagine so. that would be similar to this. Like a lot of that stuff will be like, if you the mo- the majority of that kind of thing, I would imagine would be in like side stuff, finding old Jedi tombs, which get you like new new not new abilities, maybe upgrade abilities, or maybe like lightsaber parts to let you customize some things or something like that. I bet that's what I'm going to have to do to get that green crystal. Oh, the other thing, you're right. The other thing, too, that people were complaining about is the story. What they, and look, they only played, I think they let them play three hours of it, mm-hmm. but they were saying that it was a very kind of paint-by-numbers Jedi story. Frankly, I don't expect much more from, like, a, like a side project with Lucasfilm right now, especially because yeah. Lucasfilm is really gun-shy in the wake of Solo. And this is canon, by the way. Yeah, oh, everything's canon now. Going like, forward, everything's going to be? Everything, you know, supposedly, like, you know, the movies and the TV shows and the games and the comic books and the novels and everything counts. It's not like the old okay. expanded universe where, like, the films counted and everything else was like, if you want to believe it, yes, but George Lucas can count, contradict it at any moment will go away. Um, the 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 Disney expanded universe is supposedly all counts. Okay. Um, now that isn't super incredibly true because they've already contradicted a few things here and there. Um, so it's not like it's you know set in stone, but it is safe to assume that like, yes, this is considered to be real and uh, it will be playing by the rules of what we see in the movies in terms of force powers. I don't know. Using the force to slow down giant pistons is kind of a new thing, no. but it but it no, is that's a bad idea. But it is that's the, like but it is the same uh, it is the same ability more or less as Kylo Ren freezing a, a blaster bolt in midair. Oh yeah, in I mean Rikers. I get I get it. I mean it does. It's not that it's out of place for Star Wars. It's just such a rote gameplay mechanic. Like what's next? We're gonna see like fan blade swirling and he's got to stop him and go i mean i mean that was literally in the previous trailer oh it was where he's fighting the sister and she's trying to other woman's trying to save him pick him up and he has to freeze he has to use the force to stop the fan blades run through oh i didn't even notice that like that's the (laughs) the old the e3 trailer like the premiere trailer that's what that was he freezes a giant fan runs through it gets on there and then starts it up again to to stop this night the sister of what's it the inquisitor woman but like and then she but then she gets through anyway and jumps on this ship and yeah, so there are some the stuff that makes it look or seem at least like an older game. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is going to, like, revolutionize no, anything. But no. I think it is going to be like, hey, you can make a good Star Wars game again. Yeah. It isn't, like, just Battlefront repackaged. It does feel like th- it, the team was like, these are my, our favorite games. Let's make a game that has all of them in it. Yeah. Instead of just saying, hey, let's make a game that's going to be a game that three years from now some other smaller studio imitates, right. you know? Well, the other thing is, like, you know... It it would take Vince Zampella to to force EA to make a Dark Souls clone out of yeah. a Star Wars game. Yeah. It's like 
It's like if you if you're sitting, you, I mean, we know what we know about EA, and like if you're sitting in like a boardroom meeting with EA executives and telling them, yeah, you know that game that everyone says is the hardest thing they've ever played, and most people can't even finish it. We're gonna do that with a new Star Wars game. And they're like, <laughs> what? Like, you know, yeah. we kind of want this to sell 15 million copies. I don't know if that, you know, and Dark Souls sells three. Like, I don't know if that's a, that, that's yeah. why they have the Shane setting, right? <laughs> and it's the default setting. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, it would take someone like Vince and Stig yeah. to sort with of that like, kind of weight push yeah. that idea through and like it looks like they did because that's the th- that's the thing that's the other thing about, that i do like about it now that it's you know now that it's confirmed and we can talk about it and stuff um because i might have heard some things yeah but like this is classic lucas arts take the thing that's popular and just hose it down in star wars <laughs> yeah. like, that's yeah. what they always did you know doom yeah. is the biggest thing okay let's make dark forces yeah you're right you know like yeah. oh everybody loves command and conquer let's make a real-time strategy game. Yeah. Like everybody loves like the third-person adventures. Let's make a uh, uh, Django Unleashed. Fett. Let's make a Django <laughs> Fett game. Out oh of yeah, it. that's right. Um, you know, everybody. Every, the hot new thing is like weird physics stuff. Yeah, let's make Force Unleashed. And oh, whoops. You know, yeah. And, but like that was always what they. You know, everybody loves Wing Commander. Let's make X Wing. Like yeah. that's how they. The best Star Wars games always came out of taking what was hot at the time, and just duplicating that and hosing it down in Star Wars juice, as Greg Bemis used to say at Extended Play, yeah, um, which is one of the grossest ways to describe <laughs> it of all time, but that's why I love it and I will always use it for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is this is entirely – this is like old-school Star Wars game design is just we're going to take the hot new thing and we're going to give you a lightsaber or a blaster and, and, and do it up as best we can. Hey, Metroid, Metroid set in the Star Wars universe, sign me up. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. I'm really excited for this game, and now it's coming in like a month. And like I hope, you know, one hopes that if this does well, this opens up, this opens new up the possibilities. possibilities for for yeah. new Star Wars games in a big way because like you, you, this will have proved that like this niche thing can translate into this massive brand and. And it sounds like even it, for people like you, you're going to be satisfied too because they have the harder difficulty settings where mm-hmm. you know it's life or death every swipe. So yeah. and also, I mean, I'm not you know I'm also not addicted to the, like the hardline difficulty stuff. I mean, you give me a game where I can just like kind of fight a mildly challenging lightsaber battle and cut a guy in half, like great, you know, yeah, like that's also fun. Yeah, so yep. but, but yeah, you, you're probably going to get more than one playthrough out of me on this one. <laughs> I, oh, I know that, Matt Kyle. <laughs> I know that already, my friend. No doubt about that. I am jacked up for I this I mean, maybe game on now. level 7 you get in a big red truck and it turns into a robot. And like then it really is a game <laughs> That's all that's, that's left. All that's left. So that's all that's left for you, really. Uh, I, look, I this game was kind of an afterthought. Now it's one of my most anticipated games of I, the next couple of months. I didn't pre-order this in July for nothing. <laughs> yeah. I was I was waiting for this. Yeah, I mean, look, so I'm I have glad a lot- they. I'm glad they finally like came clean on all of that stuff, and I'm yeah. glad uh, they did it with enough time to get people excited about it. Yep. You know, but like I said, that big last push is going to be the last month before it's it comes coming. Out. And now you're going to start seeing ads on football yep. games and stuff like. So here, here's the big push. Just like on the way here, I saw my first bus stop ad for Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So I've seen Call of Duty stuff around for a while, but I hadn't seen much Call of Duty. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't watch TV really with ads in it but uh, leonosaurus says star souls jedis die twice yeah <laughs> not bad 
<laughs> That's pretty good. I'm really jacked up for this game now, man. I think it probably is my most anticipated Q4 yeah. game at this point. I mean, point. part of it, I keep, I almost keep forgetting it's coming this year. It's soon. Yeah, it's right right around the corner. Yeah. Like, like you're going to get this, and then a week later, I get Shenmue 3. Like, that's going to be a bizarre November. Like, I'm already at the point where I'm looking ahead. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm getting this code on this day. I have... X number of days to play that before this one comes in, and then I have X number of days to play that. Like, I'm already getting on the wheel, like mm-hmm. the squirrel wheel at this point for Q4. It's exciting. Like, I'm really excited to play all the biggest games we've been like salivating over for the whole, some of them for like a couple of years at this point. So, the big games are coming, people. It's exciting, and this is one of them, without a doubt. This yeah. is absolutely. I mean, one I of do them. think this is a kind of a slow Q4. Yeah, like there's it, not I mean, that it's, much. It's the Q4 before the next gen. But it's like, but November is definitely the star of the show. Um, I know I'm more interested in Pokemon than you are. Yeah, like I'm gonna, look, I'm still gonna a, play Pokemon it. and this and Shenmue Three is a serious triple threat. Think about for me. that. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a big November for me. I mean, I I admit I don't think one of those is going to be as good as the other. <laughs> You're not others, gonna say which one. <laughs> but uh, I it, it's okay. It's you know it's it's yeah. it's in the I never thought you'd ever even get here. Yeah. You know. Pokemon Sword and Shield comes out on the same day as this. Yeah. The same exact day. Yeah, November 15th is a is a is a big day. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't how do you choose? Uh well there are no lightsabers in Pokemon, so <laughs> that's how you choose. How do you know that, Matt? Actually, there probably are some like laser swords in there somewhere, huh? Yeah. But uh no, I, I'll probably play this until I get annoyed. Okay. Because it is a Dark Souls game. Well, this is a game you play, like, during the day when you haven't lost all your patience yet with with the day. And then then at night. After you've eaten dinner and you're half asleep, you load up the Pokemon. You can just sit there on the couch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 That's probably the way it's going to work for me. Pokemon's the nice, cozy game to close the day out. Exactly. Yep. You can't get all fired up before you got to go to bed. (laughs) You can't get all fired up playing Pokemon either. No, that's pretty (laughs) hard. It doesn't happen. I I know. I did get fired up playing Let's Go when I missed the 14th freaking pokeball throw oh, with the yeah, stupid yeah. motion controls <laughs> thing but that is not in sword and shield it's not so we're gonna be all right yep all right it's time for our trailer of the week it's time for you folks to get questions in the chat for our q a uh i'm gonna try to scroll up and see uh yeah hooray for no sleep i see johnny hurricane saying yeah i i'm not counting on getting much sleep for quite a while uh i'll try to scroll up and thank all you guys for subscribing via twitch prime please do that we really need the help uh right now especially like we are really relying on Twitch Prime revenue to stay afloat. Yeah, just that, be, that Patreon is uh, oh, down. It's hard to look at. <laughs> it is. Uh, but we are really relying on Twitch Prime to keep things going. So we really, really need it. If you're watching this on YouTube, please help us out with Twitch Prime. If you're listening on uh, iTunes or Google Play, it's very, very easy. Uh, but you can give us a free $2.50 every month with Twitch Prime. As long as you have Amazon Prime, it costs you nothing. So anyway... It's time for our trailer of the week. We didn't talk about The Witcher 3 for Switch today. I feel like we maybe should have because it's such a gigantic game that Nintendo fans have waited so long for. I ain't playing that shit. But, I know. But, and we, I mean, look, you want to get me a code. I, well, I'm not spending money on the worst version of that game. I, I hear you. And, and look, we it's both of our games of the year for the year. We have yeah. talked about The Witcher 3. I can't tell you how many times on this show. In fact, I would love to go to the Witcher 3 game page on Sifted and just start scrolling (laughs) and see how many episodes of various shows have it in it because there's just dozens. So we didn't talk about it on the show. You know how we feel about it. It's an amazing game. But But you should play it on literally anything else (laughs) if you can. If you can, yeah. But 
we do realize how big of a deal this is for a game like this to come to Nintendo Switch. So we've made it our trailer of the week. Let's roll it. So, Matt, do you think that they put the live-action stuff in there because that's just what Nintendo does? Or do you think they put it in there so they didn't have to show the game as much? Well, I think it's in there because the selling point is you can take The Witcher on the road. Yeah. And, like, that explains why it looks so bad. Um, <laughs> so so both, basically. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you got to keep hammering home because, like, this is a four-year-old game yeah. that you've already played in objectively better ways. And now is the whole point is, like, you got it on the road. You were asking if the kid was 17, old enough to play an Emirate. It was old enough to fly out to visit his girlfriend. So uh, <laughs> He didn't look like he was who 17. Then, who then, nobody under 25 looks over 17 to me anymore. Like it the, may be true, like they, they all look like babies <laughs> that should not be allowed outside by themselves to me. Oh, that's freaking um, hilarious. But they, uh, and then like she has to take it away from him at the end. Yeah. So, you know, clearly, they, but like, cool. Like, it's neat that they did it. Yeah. I ain't playing it. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't. I don't. Certainly, I'm not for sixty bucks. Like one, if one day that thing's like ten dollars or something, I'd think I. About I it. never play games that big more than. Also, once. apparently, if you have can't. a modded Switch, you can run it at sixty. Like, like oh really? You can, if you have a like a jailbroken Switch, that they you can overclock it to sixty. If you overclock it to like, the and Nvidia it runs Shield. okay. It it doesn't run super smooth, but you can do it. Wow. Um, but so they've capped it at thirty. Capped at thirty. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it pro it looks like it probably would just it would, I mean it's very it'd be very hot so you'd be running the switch very hard and also um, I, I would imagine it would drain battery like that like yeah. it's probably like something you could only do if you had it plugged into a power source for very long um, but again it's like it's like yeah cool it it I mean certainly if if I had to buy one of the two years late ports uh, coming out on the same day for the Switch, I would definitely buy The Witcher 3 over Overwatch. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. But like, Where frame rate's really important. Yes, yeah. but they just, uh, it just doesn't matter to me. Okay, let's but get cool. to some if questions. It's, if it's the only way you can experience that game, do it, because it's great. Um, but I highly encourage you to get anything else. Yep. Uh, Eric Scott, thank you for uh, pledging with Twitch Prime. We appreciate it, bro. Let's get to some questions. Eth Demon. A gaming-related question. Have you followed someone on Twitter for non-gaming reasons, only to be surprised when they talk about modern video games? Hmm. For example, I followed someone for politi political legal stuff, 
Only to be surprised by him commenting on th- on E3 and talking about games he is looking forward to. I mean, here and there, but like... I think I, it just surprises me in general that most male celebrities like video games a lot more than I thought. I guess. I mean, I'm not usually surprised that anyone who is in source, some sort of element or world that I like crosses over or something. Like, like, I follow a bunch of Transformers people, and a lot of them play video games. It's hardly surprising. Like, Film Crit Hulk, I followed for film criticism, but he talked... You know, this, just, just, this week, he's been live-tweeting playing Nier Automata, and like, yeah, of course. You know, like, the, the, we're Sometimes all, the games they play surprise We're me. all of a certain age, and we're all of a certain interest spectrum, and we're all nerds. Like, so, yeah. yeah. It doesn't surprise me that crosses over. Sometimes it's... I mean... I mean the biggest the biggest like surprise or celebrity or cool person or whatever shift I, I've ever had was Ben Affleck. Yeah. When we interviewed Ben Affleck, and I wasn't you know they just sent us to do we had to do that because for the Jersey Girl junk it was like oh we heard he's into video games so I'm like okay we'll write up because we've done that where you go and ask him about video games and, and they don't, know, they don't anything. know anything. Yeah. My my favorite one of that of all time was I didn't do this one I didn't produce it but it was Starsky and Hutch and they went in you had to talk to Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller together. And they asked about which um, sounds fun. That's cool, but like they asked about like video games you're into, and Owen Wilson's like, "Oh man, I love Space Invaders and Pac-Man and did it." And he like lists like all these like classic arcade games. And Ben Stiller goes, "Oh, and I, I think they want to know about games that came out I don't know in the last twenty years, yeah. like something like that." And like, yeah. So basically, it became like him and Owen arguing over whether Owen knew anything about video games. It was it was funny, but Ben Ben Affleck, I had like all these questions set up. And we had to do the thing where we asked him one question about the movie, and then we could ask you know whatever Anything. we wanted. And we came on, we introduced Morgan, and she, and she's like, yeah. We're, he's like, oh, cool, video game, great, that's cool. He's like, okay, we got to ask him. He's like, all right, ask me the ask me the movie question. I'll I'll go I'll go I'll go serious actor. We'll go serious. <laughs> so we so we asked the one question about the movie, and he a- answers the question and gives it like a beat. He goes, all right, let's talk about some fucking video games. Yeah. And, like, and he's like, when the hell is Doom Three coming out? Like, this was like early two thousand four. Right, and right. like, I mean, he got to all my questions before I could ask, or could wow. I, before Morgan could ask them. Like, wow. He was he knew everything. Like wow. he was impressive. On, and my favorite anecdote was like, he's, he's like, I used to play StarCraft in my trailer between se- setups, like when I had nothing wow. to do. And I got really good. He's like, I got really good at it, and I played it over and over again. And when I hit a thousand wins on my account, I quit because I decided. That was enough. That's enough. That's he's absolutely like, enough. But he's like, but about, but somewhere out there, a thousand people got beat at StarCraft by Ben Affleck, and they don't know it. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I'm like that's cool. <laughs> so like, I think that happens way more often than you might think. Well, once yeah. you're once you're a certain age or lower, like it's just part of your world. It is. Yeah. You know, ben Affleck's only like a couple years older than us. I, maybe, I, listen, I think he might be your age. Yeah. I listen to a lot of podcasts, not just gaming podcasts. Mm. In fact, I don't listen to hardly any gaming podcast because Al- almost every podcast I listen to is political. Uh, I don't even listen to politics. Political and science. I listen to like a lot of sports. I listen to like Joe Rogan. Like I find people who talk I can't about get Joe Rogan. <laughs> his podcast is really good, man. He gets really good guests <sighs> who feel free to like be themselves on the show for whatever reason. I've listened to a couple things when a specific guest is on here and there, like snippets and stuff. But yeah, he's his podcast is huge, so he you know, gets he, everybody. That's why yeah. he gets everyone because they can come and plug their whatever. But they actually get real with them on the show. And, but just because I listen to all these different podcasts and I get to hear people be more candid, I'm just shocked in general at how many people play games. Um, even like the fantasy football podcast, I, like there was one day they were like, oh, uh, sorry, we don't, we're not doing the full podcast today, but Gears 5 came out today and I'm going home to play it. Like I took a half day off work. Mm-hmm. Like just hearing 
people who aren't like us get really geeked up about games. Yeah, but that's exactly. It's like you don't sell a hundred million systems if that many people aren't into it. No, I know? understand like, that, but I we if you're get, under fifty, I think you're you're, no, you're at right. least part of it somehow. But I don't get to brush up against those people very often. Like mm. as far as talking about games, when I interact with those people or I consume content from those people. They're talking about football or they're talking about whatever it is that they're good at or that they're known for. But still, like, games permeate everything. Like, these people who are really into fantasy football or whatever their podcast is about, they also really love games. And it's encouraging, you know, working in this industry to see so many people into it. Games rule everything around me. Uh, Dream. MPDs are out. If any of you guys want to look at the MPDs and ask us a question about them, go right ahead. Um... Sneaky Schnollage sh- Snake. I can never say it. Who did, by the way, Gotta get do his... Sean Connery. That's how you do that. <laughs> You're right. Sneaky Who did, Schnollage by the way, Schnake. get his free game code last week. At least I think he did. Um, after the Star Wars section, I'm crushed. This isn't what I hoped for. Has there ever been a game you guys were so excited to play to completely drop down to a will never play? I can't imagine what just happened in the last 30 minutes to make him not be into it. But you don't like Dark Souls, you don't like Dark Souls. I guess, but it's You don't like Dark Souls. I don't either. I'm all geeked up over this game because I know it's not the parts I like about Dark Souls are there, the parts I don't like aren't. Mm-hmm. So I'm cool with it. But anyway, what about his question? Um I mean, to me there's a modern one I can name right off the top of my head. I mean, the the one probably the biggest one that I can think of is Valkyria Chronicles 2. Where I loved the first one a lot, and the second one was like—I mean, I, uh, granted, it was on—I like, think it was on the PSP or something, so it like was scaled way down. But they scaled everything down. It was a weird prequel. It was set in like a, an academy or something. It had nothing to do with the first one. Yeah, it was it, a completely it did different. Not game. Yeah. capitalize on any of that at all, and it was just—it was just like, oh no, like that's not what I'm here for. Um, three, three turned it around, and f- or four turned it around better. But um, yeah, I think that's the one that comes to mind mainly. I don't know. I mean, I guess. There was that Blaze Blue that turned out to be like some kind of like Dynasty Warriors ripoff. That, yeah. was, that was terrible. Like, like a I, hack and slash, yeah. It's not also there's not a lot of stuff that really says like, no, I'm not going to play that. Like I will probably play the thing. Well, we play it all. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like there's the only genres I really do not play are is MMOs. That's it. Mm-hmm. RTS, I don't play a ton, but I'll still play them. Like, if someone tells me I'll there's a really it. good one, I'll play it. Yeah. But MMOs, at this point, so many people have said, this is the one that you're going to like, and then I play it, and I don't like it, that I don't even listen to that anymore. I just, I think I've just got to the point where I will not play an MMORPG. I just... I'll try it once in a while. There's MMOs I still like. I no, like... you play, you just played Final Fantasy XIV. Final Fantasy XIV, yeah. I still like SWOTOR, I still like Secret World. I just have no interest in them at all. It's yeah. not my thing. But the, but always when I'm into an MMO, it's about setting and atmosphere. It's never about playing the game because they're all terrible. They're all terrible yep. games. Um, Johnny Hurricane says that previews confirm that you can change your lightsaber color. Oh, that's. I mean, I would assume so. Like that yeah. would be crazy if you didn't. But like, that's well, cool. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they sold them. So that's actually a pleasant surprise. I don't know if you'll have a microtransaction. I feel, I feel like Lucasfilm's going to be a little gun shy about that. Uh, after the Battlefront 2 debacle. Yeah. Twitch for fun. Thanks for the cheers. Hey! Um, Congrim, any thoughts on El Camino? Have you watched it? I haven't seen it. I haven't either. I did run into a guy who complained that it was too related to Breaking Bad. <laughs> He's like, you really had to watch Breaking Bad to understand what was happening. I'm like, yeah, it's a sequel. It's funny how that works. He's like, I like Better Call Saul because you don't need to know anything about Breaking Bad. I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's a prequel. Like, I, I haven't watched Breaking it. Breaking Bad hasn't happened yet. That's why Break, Better Call Saul doesn't have anything. 
I begged my wife to watch it on Saturday night. It's like going, it's like, like going to Avengers Endgame and be like, who's this Iron Man guy? I feel like I missed something. <laughs> I begged her to watch it. This is one of the few shows that we watched together. Like, mm. there's that, and there's, like, Game of Thrones. But, like, most of the stuff I watch, she hates, and most of the stuff she watches, I don't, I don't care about. We watched that show together. We both loved it equally. And I tried to convince her to watch that movie on Saturday. She would not do it. And then the next day, Sunday evening... We had finished watching football, and a trailer appeared for it. And she was like, oh, my God, like, let's watch it. I'm like, I just tried to get you to watch that yesterday. <laughs> She's like, but then I see the trailer, and I see him, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, no. And we ran Did out of time. Did you not tell her what it was? Yes, or? she knew exactly what it was. I'm like, it's the sequel to Breaking Bad. She's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, it picks up right after Breaking Bad yeah. ends. It turns out what happened after Breaking Bad ended was not the Need for Speed movie, yeah. which is my previous <laughs> theory. Oh, <laughs> uh, we haven't watched it yet. Ask next week because I will have watched. If she doesn't, I will watch it on my own. I'm not gonna wait another week. So ask us next week. Um, Plants versus from Vincent. Plants vs. Zombies: Battle for Neighborville made the top twenty, which seems interesting as a digital only game in early access. Does it mean anything? Not to me. <laughs> uh, that that is interesting, though. I mean, it it also was only like what thirty bucks or something. I think yeah. it was like cheaper. So I don't know if I mean it, name recognition counts. It does one way or the other. I mean, those other games sold pretty darn well. Yeah. I mean, the the tower defense stuff was gigantic, but even the shooters did pretty well. So. Um, the fact that it's cheaper. Battle for Neighborville would also be my ideal subtitle for a Mr. Rogers game. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, it's a good one, Cal. Uh, again, thanks for the for the uh, cheers, Twitch for fun. That's freaking awesome, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, any other questions? Joaquin Dragoon, any gaming crossovers you would like to see? Well, we already covered Halo and Destiny. Oh, yeah, you came up with the best crossover ever. I would definitely enjoy Bayonetta versus Devil May Cry. I'd like to see those those casts meet up. Um, I think I would just like to see more fighting games mash up. Fighting game mashups are fun. I mean, the obviously Marvel versus DC is like the dream game. Yeah. Like nobody – that's never going to happen. Imagine that. Um, I would like to see more – I you know, things like the Super Robot Wars games where, like, everybody's in it. You know, it's just, like, endless numbers of robot. You know, Gundam and, and Eva and everybody. I think there's even been a couple Transformers here and there. And some yeah. Of those. Or there was a cross. There was a big, weird sort of Shonen Jump-style fighting game. It wasn't that, but it was, like, a big crossover fighting game with um, some 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 game company that made a bunch of weird stuff. And one maybe not Sume or something, but one. Of, but they had Optimus Prime in it. It was, oh. it was only in Japan. Yeah, I don't remember it. Um, but uh, something like that, some weird crossover with stuff like that. Hey, Ghostbusters and Transformers, is a, they have a comic series now. It's a crossover. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No. Starstream's ghost invades <laughs> and Gozer, so Gozer comes back and there's a whole thing. Are where, like, you kidding me? Like a, yeah, an Autobot joins the Ghostbusters and turns into, becomes their new Ectomobile. And so it's That's just absurd. The whole thing. It's a five-issue series. They made toys out of it. <laughs> but you might want to make a, make a game out of it as long as you're remastering Ghostbusters games. Uh, let's see, Burko. I love that Shane listens to Rogan. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm one of millions. Everybody listens to Joe Rogan except for this guy, uh, Cody S. Heard Carter. Of him. Uh, given the game slate this year, which publisher do you think is publisher of the year? Which do you think is the worst? <laughs> Not Blizzard. It's Nintendo. Nintendo's publisher of the yeah, year. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anyone else close. Has put out that kind of volume. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of spoiling one of our game, one of our game of the year categories, platform of the year, by answering this. But it's Nintendo. 
Yeah, I don't really Everybody know. else has slacked off this year. Nintendo has just put the foot down. Yeah, there's no other real option yeah, for that. Yeah, it's easy. And we're not even really spoiling it. I think everybody knows that. Um, freeze frame rate. Thank you for the Twitch Prime subscription. Um, we already answered one of sneaky knowledge snakes questions. <laughs> uh, oh, Vincent was saying that game you were talking about was a GameCube game. Wolf Fox was saying it's Sunoco versus Capcom, but I don't think Tatsunoko that's... versus Capcom? I don't think that was it, though. That's not no. the one that had no Optimus Prime in it. Yeah. It, w- it was not a GameCube game. It was a, it was a DS game. Yeah. And Justin posted maybe something about game. Blizzard. Um, Blizzard's statement on the whole mess they're going through now was released on a Friday evening. Has this ever worked for a company to get people to pay less attention to what they were saying, or does it always seem to paint a spotlight on it instead? So he's saying, like... Is it a? What happens when you put out a press release on Friday? Well, is it more effective, or is it a way to bury something? Usually, it's. I mean, it's conventional PR wisdom is it's how you bury things. Yeah, yeah. You'll notice the Trump administration does that a lot too. Like yeah. you, you do the weird, you fire people on Friday night, or you do like various things. Nixon did that too. Um, yeah, if you if you have news you don't want pe- to really be picked up, but in the you news have cycle, to put yeah, it out you there. You have still. to put it out there. You put it out Friday afternoon, yeah. as close to closing Eastern time as you can. Uh, in an era of social media and constant communication, that doesn't work so well. So, like, that stuff will always find its way into the Sunday news talk shows, for instance. Yeah. Uh, in the case of Blizzard, uh, especially with video game stuff, it doesn't matter because we're always talking about stuff. Like, like video game people do not it's 24-hour stop cycle. thinking yeah. or talking about video games. So you're never going to be able to – there's no point in the cycle where you can bury video game news. So that, yeah. so it, I, that's very standard PR wisdom that they use there, but it doesn't apply to this industry. Uh, what they're really doing is, like, like I said, we have to rename the Streisand effect the Blizzard effect. The Streisand effect is named after Barbara Streisand when there was these pictures she didn't want to get publicized or whatever. So she brought a lawsuit against the people, the people that had them, and it made them far more well-known than they ever would have been no if one she even just knew ignored about them. them. Yeah. And if Blizzard had not banned, uh, what was it, Blitzchung? Was yeah, it, Blitzchung. If they hadn't done anything to Blitzchung, we wouldn't even be talking about it right yeah, now. Yeah, no one would even have cared that he said support Hong Kong because you should yeah. be supporting Hong Kong. Like some, Let's just get like that right. Some of the 10 cent people probably would have ground their teeth a little this bit, whole but thing like it would have been insane. over. It would have gone. The whole Hong Kong thing is insane. And now, by the way... Everybody should be supporting Hong Kong and telling China to screw itself. Well, yes. But, and also, like... <laughs> like what is going on? Thousands and thousands more people who might never have ever heard of or cared about the Hong Kong thing now know about and care about it because yeah. of what Blizzard And they're did. supporting Hong Kong, not China. It's... Done. Now all that's left is for Blizzard to come out and put a statement out saying, like, that was our plan all along, was to make people <laughs> care about Hong Kong. You're welcome. Uh, the other thing I would say is uh, back when I worked at Game Trailers, we had literally, we had ex- like three or four exclusive pieces of content every week without fail. And I would have to try to schedule them so we couldn't have two in one day because no one would want to give us an exclusive if we had another one because they'd feel like it would steal their thunder. So I had to schedule them throughout the week. And one thing I would do is, like, if we get, like, someone would pitch me on something big, um, and they'd be like, okay, will you give us precedent on what day you'll run it? And that meant that on Game Trailers, it got, you know, top carousel placement, and it was there, like, for 24 hours at least. Mm -hmm. And generally what I would do is I would get the big ones for the weekend because – we would finish on Friday night at Game Trailers, and then we would post, like, bonus round on Sunday afternoon at, like, 1 o'clock or whatever. But otherwise, the page stayed static. So somebody who would give us an exclusive on a Friday evening, we put it up there, and it would have placement throughout Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, and then until Monday morning. So for the big stuff, I would, I would actually tell them 
to give it to us on the weekend because it would get more eyeballs. Because as Matt said, gamers never sleep. That's just mm-hmm. the way it is. Like, you guys are on it 24 hours a day, just like we are. And so, you know, for some industries, you're right. Um, they die on the weekends, and it's good to kind of put stuff out there. But for games, it's just simply not the case. Yeah, the uh, game I was thinking of is called Dream Mix TV World Fighters. It was by Hudson, and it was on PlayStation 2 and GameCube, although the PlayStation 2 version is the one I saw when I was in Japan. Um, it included Megatron and Optimus Prime, some and Solid Snake, and Simon Belmont, and Bomberman, and Master Higgins from Adventure Island, and Yugo from Bloody Roar. Uh, there's a lot of guys in there. There you go. And uh, some dude from Beyblade, which is apparently coming back. <laughs> oh, and you could play as the giant Easter Island head from Gradius. All right. I should try to find an import copy of that. That'd be good in the collection. For sure. That's it for Game Face 186. We're right at our time. I didn't even look at the clock today, and we just freaking nailed it. Right? I just looked, and we're like two minutes away, which is a perfect time to say adios to you guys. Uh, a couple of notes before we leave. Ask Shane anything going up tomorrow. Pactor Factor going up on Saturday. Uh, we're shooting a new round of Pactor Factor next Friday, so we're going to be asking for questions for those. Please participate in the Pactor Factor questions because it's getting to the point now where I am scrounging across like four different places to get enough questions for the show. I don't know why you guys have disengaged from the show so much. I felt like the last round of Pactor Factors we've done were great. Uh, If you guys haven't watched any of the shows for a while, give it a watch. I feel like this last batch of episodes, every one of them was really good. But some of you guys have disengaged from the show and we cannot do the show without you. Without questions... There's no Pactor Factor. So just ask about bourbon. Keep in touch. Or whatever. Hour. Like it's okay. Like honestly, somebody asked about like watches. And mm. it people loved it. Like ask questions. Like you don't they don't have to be about games. Like just ask them about whatever you want to know from Pactor. But you've got to engage. Last I'll say this. On Sifted last month, it was embarrassing how little you guys interacted with the show. I think I literally had like eight questions from Sifted.net for Pactor Fat. That is the lowest ever. So get on it, folks. Get engaged with the show. Go back and watch the last few episodes if you haven't watched it for a while. The shows were really good. Uh, Those of you listening on iTunes, on Google Play, thank you, first of all. Second of all... (laughs) What? I'm no fan of Pastor. (laughs) Father Shane and Pastor Pactor. People that hate on Pactor, I don't get it. Maybe they, I guess they just don't know it. But anyway, um, those of you guys who are listening on iTunes or Google Play, thank you. We welcome you to the Sifted crew. But if you could think about helping us out, that would be great. You can go on our Patreon at patreon.com slash sifted. You can give us $250 a month for free using Twitch Prime. Uh, you can just give us a dollar a month if you just want to say thanks on our Patreon. But this stuff doesn't happen for free. We need your, your support if you want the show to continue and all the other stuff that we do. So, Everybody, have an excellent weekend. We're going to be back here on Tuesday in just like four or five days. So we got a lot of playing to do. But uh, we do have some stuff backloaded, and the show should be great. So we'll see you guys on Tuesday at our normal time at 1 p.m. Until then, have a great weekend. Game Face is up and out.